And I'm Marco Sparks. Yes. Can I see your soda? What? What do you want? No, you're going to take my soda away. I am going to take your soda away. I need I, you don't to worry drink, about it. I need you to drink one more inch of that champagne. I'll drink it. Don't worry. Okay. Um, okay. So theoretically, this may not be the last episode ever if they were to do like a revival in five years or whatever. We're both still alive then and whatnot. Yes, we could come back. And, if we're uh, both still alive. Well, then. you never know. It's true. Trump is president. <laughs> Yeah, um, there might not even be podcasts in five years, but, but theoretically, sure, we would want to come back and podcast. I mean, that. I appreciate all of you people who said interview Janelle Parrish next. You know what, though, Janelle Parrish, if that suddenly fell into our laps, if we could interview sure. Janelle Parrish next week, mm-hmm. we would drop everything and do that 100 percent. If if we could interview I, Marlene King, which we've joked about that, and if we were her, we would not do that interview. Um, we would have to do that next week. I have only reached out to one person to be a guest in this episode and I don't think she ever saw it. And that was Not Dre interested. Davis. Yeah, that was Dre Davis. I would love to have Shower Harvey on our last episode or Keegan, but uh Keegan's got his own thing going on right now. You know, I think we're going to wait him out. We're going to wear him down. <laughs> I know you're listening Keegan. Anyway, uh so this is our last episode. Mm-hmm. We do not have anyone to interview except we do have a I believe we have special guest Tyler J Blackburn, is that right? Hello. I'm Tyler J. Blackburn. I'm doing music and things, and uh, has cleared my schedule for you. You weird fuckers are obsessed about my shower schedule. Oh shit, you're here too. Um, no, it's just us. We're going to do a very like top five of different categories and whatnot. We got a lot of questions. What's your favorite? This? What's your favorite? That? Thank you. Thank you. We're gonna do. Yes, thank you. We got. I, I it's it's been like a month or two since we podcasted like the major episode and like you tweeted that like request out for questions and i was like oh yeah we have shitloads of listeners i forgot about that uh, thank so you again thank yeah. you for all the responses we're going to cover lots of top fives of different categories and then do a top 20 episodes which may turn into like a top 40 we'll see um and then, of course we have a bunch of questions from you guys that we're going to try to answer to the best of our abilities mm. so so one question that came up a lot was, what are you going to do next? What's next for the bros? As far as podcasting. Sure. Well, in general. But yeah, as far as podcasting goes, um, I think we could best say watch this spot in about a month and a half. Uh, sometime in October. We're a little busy doing other stuff right now. But we're basically, we we talked a lot about various things we could do. We could do like a Riverdale podcast. We could do... A Game of Thrones or Lost podcast or was we on Buffy Buffy podcast? Um, ultimately, I think we'd like to not get tied down to any one show, especially show like Riverdale that we might not actually like that much. I really liked the beginning. I didn't like the ending season yeah. one so much. So we are going to kind of put all our our wood, so to speak, behind head cannon. We're going to kind of change up the format of that to kind of make it a little more malleable to different types of narratives it's not just going to be a movie podcast anymore we'll discuss tv shows and kind of like spotlight discussions we'll also discuss uh books potentially if we want to maybe i could get marco to read harry potter um (laughs) 
but yeah, I think it's going to be a podcast about narrative with kind of uh, both creative elements and kind of spotlights so on different. Uh, some weeks it'll be the same headcanon you've listened to. Other a, weeks a it'll similar be one. I a think similar, similar. Format, yeah. Other weeks it'll be very different. Um, it just occurred to me I would love to do an ongoing podcast where we alternate with Norbuck and Doherty talking about film. I just that just occurred to me that'd be great. Um, sure. Those are very busy guys. Um, so yeah, headcanon is what we'll be doing next podcasting wise. There might be an episode to come more recently than the month and a half. Yeah, we we just recorded one for Wonder Woman because we've been negligent in getting that out. So that will be the kind of the the last episode of the old headcanon, and then in October, I think you can look forward to new stuff. We'll definitely uh, have more info. Watch our Twitter mm-hmm. and whatnot. And uh, yeah, if you like us talking about movies and TV shows, you'll probably enjoy headcanon. And now, yeah. So now, the old bros watch Pilo Two is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't come to the phone. Why? Because she's dead. Sorry, we've been drinking. Um, <laughs> Not nearly enough. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I don't need you to drink another mm-hmm. two inches of that champagne. Okay. Stop with the soda already. Jesus Christ! All right, fine. I'll switch to champagne. Those are bad for you. Champagne's good for you. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, first question from James: Can you make it another seven-hour episode? Oh God, um, no! Because Game of Thrones is going to be on. Well, it's going to be on an hour and fifteen minutes. We're probably not going to hit that mark, but I would like to watch it at some point tonight. Lily's question: Can you make this one six hours too? Yeah, I need to eat <laughs> at some point, so um, it probably will not be that long. I don't know. You know, I, I did finally listen to part two. Yeah, uh, which was a revelation for you. Yeah, because I didn't remember half of it. It got a little loose, got a little hairy. <laughs> I think we pulled it together at the end, but yeah, I don't think we need to go that long this time. Interesting. Okay, uh, but but I say that now. We'll we'll see what happens. Second question from Lily. Does it hurt you to know that a lot of people didn't enjoy the last season or so of the show? No, I wouldn't say it hurt me. Um, I think there are times when I, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but I, I feel bad about the kind of narrow way that some people watch a show. And I I see this not just with PLL. You can see it now with Game of Thrones. There's a bunch of people bitching and moaning about like this plot or that that they don't like. And it just seems like not a fun way to watch a show, personally. Um, if that's your deal, that's cool and all. But I think I think there certainly like there was a decline, absolutely, between like the peak of the show and like kind of the end of the show. But I guess for me at the end of the day, and this goes for PLL and all those shows too, like it is just a TV show. Like I don't want to get too emotionally involved to the point where I'm like angry and writing mean things at people online about it. I, I try. I agree with you up until the angry and writing mean things to people online. I It hurt me that I know a lot of people, some people were hurt and I, I don't say a lot because it's the same a lot that stops from things happening with military bands. But like people were hurt by aspects of the show and then other people were hurt by different things of the show and there was cracks and it revealed that some people came to the show for different reasons than the rest of us. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say it was sad because I enjoyed the show and part of the nature of the podcast was I still found a lot of things that I loved 
and I and I really enjoyed the people making the show. So the fact that other people couldn't get past certain things bothered me, upset me, it worried me, it concerned me. Um, in general, I understand what you're saying about the way the uh, the opinionati mm-hmm. looks at the internet, and it is for the bulk it can be bad, but at the same time there are there are perspectives that are not my own that I'm thankful revealed to me. Sure. Um, so. Jamie from All Things PLO asks, would the bros ever consist- consider podcasting for another show? Well, I think we somewhat address that. I mean, it's PLL was a very special show, I think, that we found. It was a show that other than like Jacob and Heather blogging about it online, there really wasn't a lot of like conversation beyond like kind of just shipping that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was ripe for a podcast, I think, mm-hmm. would be fair to say when we started doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now of course you can find a million dudes watch this show or that show type podcast but um, at the time that wasn't the case and i i think it was we really liked it we also saw that there were limitations to it and and it was interesting to us the way the show worked within those limitations i think one of the first things we talked about when watching it was this idea that like this is a teen show that the writers are kind of having they're they're very talented and smart writers having fun in the margins of this teen show by putting in these little references here and there and doing things beyond what you would expect mm-hmm. so it was, i think it, that was kind of how we came to the show to begin with was that this was something with a lot going on under the surface that'd be a good discussion doing say like game of thrones wouldn't be the same thing mm-hmm. like that's it's a massive show everyone talks about it I don't think it's a case of like super smart writers doing things below the surface. Like the show's always kind of been considered at that level of depth to begin with. So theoretically there could be a show in the future Mm -hmm. that we found that kind of met that magical criteria. Um, If not, you know, I'm sure we'll just talk about some other TV shows in general on headcanon. Uh, I agree with all that. Um, One thing that Benji and I have just, dispute this in the past before but like if any tv show were to offer me a job in the writing stuff i would take it even if it's a show that i had zero interest in doing just because it would, it would be fascinating work and craft and attempting to do that in my version of it um and i i think something spoke to us about pll that this would not be the show that we initially gravitated towards but it seemed like people who were like us were making it and then we kind of realized there was something deeper and I don't know. In general, it's not enough to be woke. You should commit yourself to awakening constantly um, with all things, including TV show podcasting. But um, one of the things that we, I don't know if Benjamin likes it, but we've been stuck with it. And I've always appealed to people who we interview is I've kind of enjoyed that we've been able to talk with some of the people who made the show and not just a, to an audience of, who are interested in the teen relationship murder mystery drama, but like, We've able to use that vein as how a TV show is made, like what thought goes in it. Like, did some of you know what a, a script supervisor was yeah. before that? Um, I, I hope you do now. <laughs> no, I think it's it's one thing to talk about a bunch of different TV shows, but I think there is value in just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into one show to mm-hmm. the point where you're learning about just the very kind of subatomic particles that create it you know mm-hmm. how it all comes together uh, but i think and i think it, it provides a good perspective 
when watching other TV shows because I'll watch something now and not get mad that they didn't do this or that because I'm like, oh, well, I probably didn't have the budget for that, you know? And it's yeah. like I'm kind of like at peace with that now more than maybe I would have And, and some of the stuff that we've been able to talk to people about, stuff that we knew, but it, it meant more coming from them, and some of the stuff we've definitely learned, but like, I think doing anything to help people understand about how television is made is interesting but like if it's like, like, it's like a like school for us yeah but it's, if it's like a westworld podcast it's not as interesting when like the prestige show is teaching you how things are made i feel like it's more interesting to me when like the teen show well it's that has so much going on below the surface it's the limitations it. i think that make it interesting because this isn't a show that has an unlimited budget and can do whatever they want yeah yeah like they have to film on the on the lot you know they're not really going on location anywhere and they've got to make do yeah yeah um, and so i think that was interesting to us after a while to explore that like i remember asking one of the writers about uh uh did the budget change in later seasons and it was like well yeah no the budget didn't change but some people got well-deserved pay increases so there's just less to go around and it's like including myself <laughs> um so also this is gonna get confusing there's a lot of people who wrote into us who were named either Rachel or Sarah or there's some very common names. So you're going to hear a lot of questions from seeing the same person. One of the Rachels asked, if you had to say one nice thing about the Ezria relationship or drink each other's hot pee, what would it be? Oh, well, um, I'm not Kindle or Entis, so no, this, that's an easy one for me. I think that regardless of the problematic elements of it, I think Lucy Hale and Ian Harding did have good chemistry. One of my favorite moments from them is when they'd been broken up and she'd been dating Jake, but they like go to some poetry bullshit or something like that at the brew and she just kind of kisses him out of nowhere. I've talked about this before. Mm. It's a really nice underplayed moment of you can see how how natural they feel with each other. Um, and you kind of have to turn parts of your brain off. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's like Yes, this obviously is not a healthy relationship overall. Based not at on all. How they got together, and it's super weird, guys. And that was still before the time jump, anyway. Yeah, but you know, if you can kind of block that out for a moment, I think that was a nice moment for them. I think it's 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 you're taking the hot piss, aren't you? No, <laughs> no, I'm <wide>. not. <laughs> um, it's some it's hot summer outside, so I you know if it was colder, maybe I take the hot piss. Um. I think if you're an Ezra fan, like looking for justification in a relationship, just accept that you're in the wrong. You know, like if you're a Trump voter, accept you're in the wrong. I don't know. But if I had to say one nice thing about their relationship, I would sum it up all of the uh, the image of him just shoving pie right in her fucking face. Like that's where those two creeps, like Spike and Drusilla, Sid and Nancy, you know, they have that kind of uh, chemistry and they work together. I think that's when we joked, like. What if they both bit each other and became vampires for the rest of the show? Am I mistaken, or is the new French prime minister, is he not married to his former teacher? Yep. Okay, so yeah, maybe that's in their future. I don't know. I think they got Aria together. will be the future prime minister of Sometime. whatever uh, state follows the United States after we fall apart under Trump. Well, that's a future Aria. Yeah. <laughs> the post-Gilead mm-hmm. future Aria. <laughs> um, so another Rachel asks favorite ship if you had to pick one Ooh, i'm, I'm front-loading this with some can, intense ones can, can i say the four liars together is that off the table by implication let's just say that's implied obviously our favorite relationship or the the friendships between liars but if we had to pick actual ships i guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, you go first. Lucas and the ore. That's not shit. Toby no. and the uh the bag of poop. I think you got to give a real answer. Ooh, Emily and Samara. Okay, didn't last long. I feel like Emily could have done more to try to save her ass with that. Oh yeah. I guess she just didn't want to reveal any sort of pressure or blackmail at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If it was me, I would have like at least tried some excuses. Emily's just like, yeah, it happened, whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. it was what with Quinn, the holding of Quinn. Quinn. Yeah. That's a cool name. Um Robert asks, would well, you I didn't answer. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. sorry. Please. Uh favorite ship. Hmm. Well, it's not Ezria. Either Halo or Spalev, I guess. I don't know. Um, really? What? Really? Oh, I'm sorry. What am I saying? Spalev, 100%. 100%. Ships yeah. all in. Spalev. Spalev was interesting just because I it was a little bit more of a mature relationship that wasn't just like a high school sweetheart thing. And they, they had so much history previously mm-hmm. that we'd kind of seen the hints of it in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark is making a little finger in the mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. Motions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But in a longer relationship, though, I think at least until he left for Ravenswood, Caleb and Hannah were a very cute couple. They were they were the the good couple. The, the one of them didn't send the other to the mental institution. One of them wasn't a teacher preying on a minor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Paige and Emily had their moments, but I also felt like the power imbalance was still really in Emily's favor there. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hannah and Caleb were just cute, you know. Mm-hmm. Those would be my answers there. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. Uh, so Robert asks, would you bring the podcast back if there was a reunion or a reboot? Sure. If we're still alive. Reunion? If sure. Marco is still alive. <laughs> a reboot? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think we would we would watch the reboot and discuss amongst ourselves whether or not it warranted a podcast. The answer would probably be no, unless it started my girl Willa. Um. Someone joked that it was funny that we made uh, references to the trip because that's our dynamic. Quite possibly. The trip? Yeah. What the, trip? The Steve Guggen and Rob Brydon show. I have no idea what you The YouTube video that you watch with the, the Michael Caine impressions. You're only supposed oh, to blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's three seasons of a TV show. So, yeah. Um, Bess, not knowing her audience, asked, what was the point of Spalob? And if I could jump in before you just to say, to make you feel alive. Mm-hmm. I think there was definitely uh, warring parties within the writing staff as the ultimate point of Spalev. It ended up being a diversion, but I think potentially, I think it was a good way to show that these are different people five years later and the same things that appealed to them in high school might not be the same as they were out of college. You know, the, who, who Caleb and Spencer were out of college and kind of, after the wreckage of their prior relationships might have made more sense than getting back at their same old exes. But look at any group of friends on a long enough timeline where one couple's broken up. I'm willing to bet that some point later there's been some romantic, sexy friction between two other people who weren't previously linked. And you could do the the gels thing where you're like, well, has it always been in your mind? Have you always blah, blah, blah? It doesn't really matter. Like it, it happens. People change. They grow. Maybe they gravitate towards different people. I mean, ultimately, the point ended up being one really great, excruciating, not a breakup scene necessarily, but the uh, 
kind of the precipice of the breakup there, you know, at the door when Caleb can't come in, um, that created a, an amazing amount of dramatic tension. It could have been more, it could have been different, but, uh, they decided to put all the old shits back together. Yeah. I, I think it's not, it's not controversial to say who, I mean, I Marlon King has claimed credit in an interview saying yeah. others wanted the relationships to be all split apart and not be significant others and end games. And she was the one who wanted that. And she is the boss. Mm hmm. Um, so I, to me, it was just exciting and new. Um, I think there's a t certain type of viewer, we'll call them the shipper who just <laughs> wants their favorite ship to get together and then just like be frozen in Amber and be like, they're happy and together now. And it's like, you actually, you need drama in a TV show. Mm -hmm. And so either that they're either their relationship won't be addressed at all. And they'll just be together and it would just, you know, kind of fade into the background. Or if you want to continue featuring those characters and scenes together, you have to do something with them. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's that's the rule for 95 percent of drama. Mm -hmm. um, something like that has to happen. You can't always just be like, which of us is going to go to the supermarket to pick up the ingredients for dinner tonight? Especially if it's like all of them, too. You yeah. know, if everyone's just happy in their relationship, then they just become extra weight where it's like, Oh, I guess we have to feature these SOs every once. That in makes a while. me think that at some point earlier they all died and this is them in like purgatory, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever lost thing we can apply to it. Um, Ryan asked, which opinion of the sh about the show has changed the most for you since you started watching it? Which opinion? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, does, is he offering us a list of opinions that we had or are we just nope. supposed to come up with our own? Your own. I'm up first. Also, I had a good chuckle because uh, when Benjamin Light was like, take a certain kind of viewer, we'll call them. He did like the dog with the shifty eyes thing before he said, shipper. Okay. <laughs> I know that, uh, by the way, some people ask occasionally, what happened to that old time trial murder mystery episode where you guys talk about PLL for the first time? It's not up anymore. It is not. That's correct. Uh, we good just call that down. Um, one of the things I know that I said in that old episode at one point is I said I didn't think that Sasha Paterso is a particularly good actress. I think my opinion on that has changed. And I think part of that is because I hadn't seen the first secret yet. I hadn't really gotten Allie as herself rather than just the, the flashback girl. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't appreciate kind of the depth of the character because at that point, I think I just watched like the first season. And so I th I'd say that opinion's definitely changed, like kind of seen extra layers of the character that I wasn't seeing at the time. Based on the first six episodes of the show, I was like, there's a certain level of omnipotence to this A character. There's no way they can effectively non-supernaturally write themselves out of this show. Mm -hmm. I was wrong in some fashion, so there you go. Um, you know, the fact that I was like, at some point, somebody, like, decency will prevail and Ezra will be punished. I was wrong about that. <laughs> Um. Yeah, their opinions. Can't really say I can think of any right now. Now, uh, Alyssa asks, favorite scheme from each A, which makes me think that we already have a top five of that. Do you want to jump to that now? I guess we can. Yeah. Yeah. Top five A schemes. Um. So I guess in my thinking of this, it wasn't. It was like what what was impressive to me as a scheme rather than, just like what was something neat that A did. I don't know. Uh, I have a little high concept and a lot of low concept ones. So I say I have one honorable mention. I have one honorable mention too. Okay, you go first. Uh, we'll find out 
if we made two completely different lists right now. <laughs> yeah. My runner-up is the Alphabet Serial Full of A's and Touched by an Angel, Season 2, Episode 10. I went to painstaking like effort to like detail seasons and episodes. Oh, I got it all here. Okay, cool. Yeah, the Alphabet Serial Full of A's. Don't think you're not the only one who goes into I'm, detail. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. All right, my honorable mention, and this is a little bit more broad, so maybe we do have different lists, okay. is the Liar's Lament game. Um, that's I, your honorable mention? That's my honorable mention because I, I really liked it as an idea. I just don't think that it went anywhere enough. Like the puzzle wasn't anything. You know, if the puzzle had been some some mm. great clue, I think it, it would have worked a lot better. Okay. It almost seemed like the writers and Alex Drake both got bored with it a couple game pieces in and are like, ah, oh, whatever. Okay. All right, what's your number five? Top five A schemes. Well, this is this is what's different. A necklace made of human teeth in Blood is a New Black, season three, episode two. A classic. Yeah, ours are slightly different. Not totally, though. My number five is Pain Cream. <laughs> I think mine, I was kind of favoring more like the the, the level of diabolicalness, if mm-hmm. that's a word, um, which obviously I think you'll understand why my number one is my number one. But yeah, just okay. the the creativity you know okay my number four is when hannah got an a message in her mouth <laughs> it said i told you dead girls can't smile stop looking from bite your tongue season four episode 17 mm-hmm. my number four was the rat blood on ian's trophy that was planted for spencer to find and then turn in just the the you intelligence of mona to know that they would overreact to this and get themselves in more trouble by reporting it. Oh shit! Is your number one like Ian's suicide note? No. Okay. Is it? Is that, it? That's uh, not on my list. Is I'll it Mrs. Potter's that. nephew? Keep going. Uh, <laughs> or number three. My number three is when A sent a Spencer bomb or Spencergram to Ezra with the "Hey buddy, you working on your novel?" <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. Out of the frying pan in the front of season three, episode seventeen, and later the A text to Arya. I thought you needed a little push, so I pushed send for you. <laughs> My number three is just faking Toby's death in general. Like, Ooh. how can we destroy Spencer, my my most worthy adversary? How can I take her apart from the inside? Oh, fake Toby's death. Uh, in the fallout of how terrible the Defenders was, I saw in the interviews that they said that Daredevil season three will be the the born again storyline, which is basically what the, dark the sp- fuck was the end of that show? Garbage. I I was just like. What? Uh, anyway, those those writers should never work, at least on in Marvel again, but or anything against. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. Um, but the Born Again storyline is basically the Dark Spencer storyline, like mm-hmm. taking everything from her and turning her crazy. Uh, my number two was actually the Liars Lament board game. Okay, the Liars Lament board game, as we saw in Seven Eleven, sure, yeah. as opposed to Seven Nineteen. Yeah. Um, just because there's such problems. I think I said in that episode, like. I really wish we had gotten this ten episodes earlier because there's it's this this is the perfect evolution of this this a game as a total. Well, the way it ended, like it almost seems like it should have just been a QR code or something. You know? Well, and the fact that it was that weird illustration that yeah, like equated to nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine number two is the alley doll with the shovel in hand from if these dolls could talk. Just that's just amazing. Like I I feel like as far as like arts and crafts wise, that might be. The piece de resistance for Mona as a it definitely shows up in one of my other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one, yeah, that that episode will be coming back a few times. In yeah, top list. My number one is Avataria. 
Okay. Just the creation of Avataria. My number one, and this may not surprise people because I've talked several times about how much I love this scheme, was the hot bell from, <laughs> from I'm Your Puppet. Just the the way it's so masterfully done where like you're not thinking this is an A plot at all and then the fucking bell starts ringing and A gets a sense from the text and they're just both like, fuck, we've been had again. Uh, that's good stuff. All right. Yeah. So do some scrolling, 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 go back to our list of listener questions. Um, and I'm sorry, some of you have normal names and some of you have other names that I'm, you know, trying to figure out. You have Brian Oblivion TV names. Um, CCD asks, what were your favorite clues for all of the A's like Mona, CC, and Alex? Favorite clues, huh? I guess clues to their identity. Um, I think the Alex one, not having bangs in the hand of flashback was definitely good, although could have been explained away. Um, I think the first really good Alex clue was probably in S7015. Mm-hmm. Just the the mysterious scene at the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the Mushroom Pups in season four. The Mushroom Pups. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. That scene was so much fun. And it was so immediately apparent to at least a, a, a portion of the audience that this was not Spencer who we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I really liked the way they played it. I think for Cece... I was positive with Pocket Full of Sunshine in the dollhouse. Pocket Full of Sunshine? The song that from that they knew was from like their their class of the prom. That's, oh, they, that's what like, I'd guess. Because I figured like these are songs from seven years ago. Yeah, that yeah. Thing? I was okay. like, it's not gonna be Jason, it's not gonna be Melissa, it'll be Cece. Yeah. Uh I don't know if I can think of <laughs> Cece literally wearing a black hoodie spying on Arya and Ezra. That was a nice clue that everyone just like it's amazing how much they were like neon lights. It's CC. It's CC. It's obviously CC. Look, there's CC in a red coat. It's yeah. totally CC. And then like, boom, Allie's just like, oh no, CC's helping me out, and everyone just forgets. There's know? another one that that ties in that that I have on a, on a later list, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, CC harassing Jenna was like a good clue to her character. I would say. Mm. What about Mona? Mona. Um, I think we both guessed in the pilot. Yeah, well, that was more just like we've watched mystery stuff before and we did the math and this character stands out and like, why are you here? You you don't have any purpose except if you're the, you know, the bad person. But I mean, towards the end of season two, when Mona has to make out with Caleb, if you haven't guessed by then. I think the one that stands out to me is when it's in the naked truth, when Emily is apologizing to Mona and Mona's facing away and oh. she has this really weird look on her face. That and was like three personalities And then she suddenly ago. turns around and it's like all bubbly and cheery again. And then like later she's like, oh, by the way, I can alter my voice and I'm like a, a hacker and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Which so, to me, I think I feel like the writers almost maybe got too invested in in keeping secrets and hiding everything where it's it's almost more fun if if you can be like, aha, you know, like, like do you really... I think they got too concerned with faking everyone out. I feel like Shauna is a, a good example of that, where they they wanted so hard for you to not see it coming that it's like, yep, we didn't see that coming because it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lore asks, with time to process it all now, which A run, Mona, Cece, or Alex, made the most sense or was the most satisfying? Probably Mona for me. Mona's motive made sense right from the get-go mm-hmm. and the things she did weren't too insane. I felt like the Mona A 
was a frenemy and the, and the things that that a did it was never outright i'm trying to murder you whereas like the cca was more extreme than that yeah um like the rope thing where they actually serve hors d'oeuvres over somebody's dead body <laughs> on the yeah. halloween train um the mona one was the most satisfying in the sense that it was the most scandal free I feel like the later ones were made by people who were more seasoned at telling stories. So I don't know. It's pick and choose. And a lot of my, I got a lot of my answers, especially when it comes to the top 20 are going to be arbitrary. If you gave me another month, mm-hmm. I might come up with completely different answers. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ayeva, uh, I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong. If you were to write an episode, what death trap would you put the liars into, like a kiln or an abandoned ice cream factory or an old warehouse of a murderous conveyor belt? Oh, gosh. You're just going to spring that on me? Yep. Um, oh, my God. You go first. You've had time to think. Um, I want to say like some kind of like Lady from Shanghai mirror thing would be. Well, I guess they did that a little bit with uh, Spencer somewhere in season one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been struggling with this. I've I've stared at this question for the last like uh, twenty four hours, and I haven't come up with anything. So don't feel bad if it sprung on you. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of something that would fit in the general like suburban. I mean, the dollhouse is really smart for the considering the show itself. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, that was weird. I just got a FaceTime call. Um, yeah, from who? Hmm. From who I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, nice. Ah, uh, what death trap? The death trap of FaceTime call. Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels like they kind of got around to a lot. Yeah, like death by fire in the kiln. Um maybe some sort of like crusher. I don't know. Like like it uh stuck inside a car at like the, the wrecking lot or whatever, you know? Hmm. Like getting dropped into the the crusher. I don't know. Something so maybe something where they, they could be in the car where the big magnet comes down and lifts it up. Okay. That's uh probably beyond their budget, but that could be fun potentially. Something where like mannequins literally become like animated and attack them. Hmm. I feel like you and I had one on the show years ago. Probably. Seasons ago. We did talk a lot about the show, yeah. Yeah. Um I'm still super proud of whatever we came up with the video game. Oh yeah. Um so Wendy asked what is your favorite character defining moment for each of the four liars and why? Oh, geez. Character defining moment for the four liars. Hmm. I, there's been so many character defining moments. I'm not sure where to choose like the first one or the best one or we'll throw a random one. Cause you know, to your credit, this is all being sprung on you. Sure. Yeah. Um, Arya, what comes to mind to me is her pretending to be Anita and having that moment with Jenna that's then like ripped away when Jenna realizes who she is. A good one. I think Arya always wanted to patch that up and was never really able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, your turn. <laughs> um, I, I, it's character finding in the worst way. Hannah being confronted with an aspect of her fears by having to eat the cupcakes, the little piggy cupcakes. 
Um, See, for me with Hannah, I have to go when she confronts Allie or the the specter of Allie with the Dr. Chair. Ann. Yeah, Dr. Solden. I mean, that's a good one. But I mean, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of Hannah confronting her old self or aspects of her old self. Yeah. Because um, like, how did Jacob Clifton put it? Like, when you're nothing, you have the freedom to be everything. And that was kind of the Hannah character. Um, like Hannah, like weighing in early season five, like whether or not to shoplift for like a half an hour. <laughs> as she's sitting in that ginormous changing room booth like Do those exist right as right as let us know i mean because i mean i could argue that the a character defining moment for hannah is hannah knows what hannah means at the uh drunk at the uh pam fields dinner table i think for emily the first thing that left out in my mind was when Paige, when they've she's kind of kind of gotten with Paige, and they're having the picnic and Paige is like this is cool we should always go to picnics where no one can see us and emily's like yeah guess what i'm not going back in the closet like i worked hard to get out and like that's where i am now my favorite emily moment of all time and it'll come up again later in this episode is season two episode 14 in the greenhouse oh yeah do you want to see what you're afraid of Mm -hmm. because up until that point emily and, and well past it too but emily is utterly defined by what she's afraid will come out of the box about her, about her life, how it changed. Even though weirdly she's like the most fearless of all the liars. Yeah. Well, when it comes to others. Yeah. yeah when it comes true. to others. Like like we talked about in the first secret, she will run into fire to save Allison or her friends. But when it comes to herself and what other people think of her and she's letting people down, but like to have the box that A, something in there A is afraid of. And now she's the one saying, do you want to see what you're afraid of? I love that. And of course we love Spencer. Um, oh boy. I don't know. Episodes one season one through seven episode 20 i think uh <laughs> something that sticks out a lot of mine are early i guess it's because that's why i'm seeing the characters begin to be defined but i believe it's in a person of interest when her parents and melissa and ian ian's there of course had this kind of intervention with her Ooh. where they're just not taking her fears of ian seriously at all and she's like crying and just being like i don't feel safe and they're just like and he's just like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry, Spencer. I, I, you know, like, like he's just being such a, like a fake comforting presence, you know, like, but, but it's clearly like he's operating from a position of power there, where it's like, oh wow, man, that's that's really tough. What your daughter's going through here, uh, it's it's the same. She's crazy. It's a shame that she's crazy like that, but you know, yeah, <laughs> the, the compassionate patriarchy. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because I feel like that that defines Spencer as a character, the person who feels at odds with the world around her and, and all the power structures that she's involved in. I can't answer that because with Spencer, there's like 15. There's so many. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm going to have to neglect the answer. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure different ones will come up over the course of this. Uh, Lou asked, do you think that Alex was involved in Yvonne's death? I think it. She could have been. They never said so. Um, I don't know. I, I I do think, and I don't know how many of these questions we're, we're going to get to. We've got a lot of questions where it's like, explain this plot hole, basically, mm-hmm. and it's like we can. I can't say it's canon or anything. Um, There'll be an entire weekly article about it at some point. Don't worry. At a certain point, it's like, well, the show's over. So uh, yeah, you can take Marlene's advice, or you can just put in your own headcanon i think it would make sense for alex to have been involved i don't know how she would have necessarily if she was at the uh the elm street flying school 
mm-hmm. at the same time. I don't know how she could have like gotten over there. Well, I guess a few episodes later, when she actually dies, there's a little bit of wiggle room. There's a couple. There's like a, a week or so. Syringe in the IV or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Air yeah. bubble under the skin. I mean, she definitely wanted Toby for reasons that she wanted Toby to be free. Yeah. Well, I think we can understand them, even though we don't agree with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline asked, "What was the deal with the little Amish girl who received the dolls from Charlotte?" I don't fucking know. I, I, I had no idea. I think, I think, and we'll probably get other questions that reference this as well. The writers were very good at at coming up with new weird things to happen mm-hmm. and i think they were always in that mode right up to the end which is why even in the, like the last 10 episodes of the show you were still getting just weird stuff that would happen that was never explained really mm-hmm. and i think that's just at a certain point you, you say well that, i guess that's just the world the liars lived in mm. i don't think eliza was anything despite her very unique name other than I don't know, somewhere. I mean, I don't think Eliza's like a secret daughter of anyone. I I feel like it, wherever you listen to this, you should give yourself a round, give Jim Engine Light a round of applause because he knew her name. How can I forget the name like Eliza? It's a great name. I um, love that name. I I mean I don't know. I'm. It could be like. Uh, Charlotte Marco just made a jerk off motion. Sure that did. Couldn't see. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte could have seen some aspect of herself in this confined system, and she needed some representation of girls and Mary play. Drake's other other daughter. Yeah, yeah I yeah. don't know. No, I mean, I just it, it could have been like a metaphorical resonance for Charlotte rather than like a literal bloodline thing. There's a little too much literal bloodline and doubling. I, I think there is a lot of just like like in uh, S4E1, and they go to the trailer park, and it's like, oh look, there's these five girls who are obviously the liars and Mona only younger. Like I think it's maybe a more thematic mm-hmm. resonance there where like this, this is a thematic resonance with CC with Allison. I really enjoyed that scene in season four, episode one to me that worked in a way because it was something specifically designed by an a to sure. kind of throw in their face. It's different when like history literally repeats itself, you know, in the last episode. Um, so Alexandra asked, has an episode of PLO ever made you cry? Ooh, good question. You go first. No, not cry. Um, I don't think the last time I cried over a TV show, probably the finale of lost, but, um, probably for me as well. Uh, there were aspects that really resonated with me in a way of anything would have, if I wasn't like knocked on my ass and stunned by certain episodes of the show, mostly Spencer stuff. Um, I might've been moved to tears, but they would have come much later, I guess. Yeah. I guess the show didn't pull on the heartstrings, at least in ways that affect me, mm. perhaps for other people. I don't want to be like, Oh, I'm so like rough and manly. I never, Tried anything, but I guess the case. for me, like something like the end of Lost was more like emotionally impactful, which isn't to say that there wasn't weren't a lot of emotional scenes in PLL, but there was always this element of like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I guess it probably overrode that. But also, you know, where we were in our lives in 2010, you know, as to mm-hmm. where we were in the seven years past that. Um, 
Melanie wants us to rank our favorite PLL seasons in order. Oh, geez. Um, I just typed I, mine out while I was while I was listening you? to you talk. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, I usually think of it by half season, but if I had to go full season off the top of my head, that's the key. This is the key. By full season, that means you have to take the like extremely the good with the bad. Yeah, sure. I'll go uh, two, three, one, four, five, seven, six. Okay, interesting. I went three, five, two, five four. is the second best season. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. I I have I'm unabashedly in love with the first half season of season five. Okay. So much so that you know, as much as I I liked the second half of that, I mean, I take it with it. So three, five, two, four, one, seven, six. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I are your lotto numbers. It, it would seem to be that I rate season one higher and season five lower than you i think that's probably our main well also there. you you obviously rate season two way higher than me i just fucking love it when we get to our top 20 like as i i don't know about you but i i have a top 20 and then i have 20 more episodes kind of just partitioned by season not really ranked what are you doing there is I'm, that like a, a super jerk off motion <laughs> super jerk off okay but like I have almost I have one episode from season two and my didn't make it because all the other episodes made it because that's how much I love season two. Holy shit. There's 25 episodes in season two. No, I'm not saying every episode of season two made. I was saying of, of my favorite episodes from each seven. OK. From each season. Sorry. All the ones from season two, except for one, made it into my top 20. Of okay. my favorites, just because I think they're that strong. I'd have to go back and look, but I think that my top 20 is going to be very indicative of the numbers i just put out there but also i made my top 20 last night so like i said ask me again in a month and i don't know what what would change well it should be mentioned with our top 20 and top five and all this this is i think it'd be fair to say like favorite maybe not top but favorite for us yeah yeah, yeah. like this is just our opinion and if you asked us what is the kind of uh i don't know best versus what's your favorite we might have different answers I don't if, know if we were to if we were to somehow try to be like objectively like well this is better than that you know yeah maybe um, I'm anyway. kind of petty I, I like my favorites sure. um oh I love some of these names caramel mocha stan and in each season is there a particular episode that you've wanted to add or take away same with scenes slash dialogue a season we would want to add or take away yeah it's it's kind of a broad question but um drop season six probably <laughs> I think I think you could have gotten to the dollhouse and the reveal of charlotte in season 5b and then just did the time jump and there were like half like all of 6b seemingly was irrelevant to the mystery anyway more or less Mm -hmm. i think you could have skipped past a lot of that i like the first episode season six because it's a premiere and it does what it's supposed to well i I don't want to say there aren't good things about season six but like there's a lot of moments that you'd reshuffle one, yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah i would want to move you know if you can move songs of innocence and songs of experience you could probably compress that into one episode and then move it somewhere into season five where you put the doll well, i think i think part of the problem is that some people might come in and they're like okay here on the big whiteboard this this thing right here this is the first episode and this thing right here is your last episode and you've got eight episodes in between there do whatever you do what you must mm-hmm. and it's like how do you not make it feel like a waste of the audience's time and slowly breadcrumb out your emotional storylines your your 
your emotional journey storylines, your mystery storylines. Well, I mean, if I could go slightly off topic for a moment, please I think do. One of the issues they ran into in the later seasons is I think they started focusing on having villains that needed a ton of explanation. Mm. It's like, oh, we need ten episodes just to get to Charlotte because we have this whole Charles business, you know, where it's like, did you really need to explain all that? And is that not maybe an error in the construction of your villain if they need that much explanation, you know? Because, like, the, the, the one we all love, Mona, you didn't need any explanation. You got it immediately. Like, oh, shit, of course it's Mona. The one who they treated horribly while Ali was alive. Like, this this makes perfect sense. I don't I don't need you to explain it to me. I already got it, you know? Oh, so, so by the end of season four, you'd obviously gotten a lot of different things relating back to the first that night. But compared to me, how good A for Answers, A is for Answers is. A is for Answers is a good episode, yeah. To to Game Over Charles. Which is the, after, like the, you said, the opposite, yeah. You've just had nine episodes specifically earmarked to gear you up. And mm-hmm. then you still had your five main characters sitting around well, I, a, a TV screen. I think that's all due to the fact that they wanted to hold back, hold back, hold back, and then unleash it all at once, you yeah. know? Um. Okay, so we'll do some Melanie questions, and then we'll skip to one of our categories. Um, Melanie has a couple. So <laughs> her first one is: Do you have a secret, and can I keep it? Uh, I do. No, you cannot keep it, though. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, number- what about you? It's the next question. Uh, who is your favorite really PLO parent? I mean, yeah. I have a secret that I feel like would change everyone's opinion about me in a negative way. I'll just throw that out there. And then not say anything else about it. Just one? Just one. My secret is that he has more than one. <laughs> uh, our next question is, who is your favorite PLL parent? Oh, that's tough. Uh, can I, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do by like mother and father because uh, okay. I got to get my boy Peter Hastings on that list. Cheers to Peter Hastings. He is perhaps an awful father, but at the same time, <laughs> I love him. Hell yes. Hell yes, I would. God, I love Nolan North. Um, and then Ashley Marin. I feel like like there is no other answer than that. Maybe some people are into Ella. Ella's cool. I get that. Veronica's cool as well. But um, Ashley, I feel like there was so much else they could have done with Ashley if they wanted to. Well, it was weird how much Ashley was a part of the show for the first two, three seasons. You know, and then it did kind of shift more to Veronica when you, and you needed both like the Spencer drama, the Spencer mystery, and also the legal aspect. Like Veronica brought all that to you, but it felt weird because Veronica had just been kind of like the uptight mom who sided with, uh, with Melissa the whole time. I think until then Ashley was the most likely to have gotten into some sort of trouble herself. Yeah. Right. Whereas the other parents like Veronica or Ella were more just trying to deal with whatever their daughter's gotten into. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. Um, we got a lot of questions like this. I'm probably get a couple more on this episode. Melly's other question is: Who from the cast would you still be dying to meet and talk to? Yeah, I think we had one that came very late. That was like, who would you like to have a beer with amongst the main cast? Yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. Um, I think it was besides besides uh, Troy and Janelle Parrish. Uh, the two that stick out to me would be Lucy Hale and Keegan Allen. I almost would feel 
like Nolan North seems really cool, but he's like so famous in like the nerd world that like I feel like he would just be in like kind of like like big time mode or whatever, you know? Like I don't know if it'd be quite the same to hang out with him. But Lisa Hale seems fascinating to me. Um, you know, we've met her very briefly. Um, uh, but she seems like an interesting person. I'd love to have a conversation with her. And then Keegan Allen, I just talked about the Witcher. Uh yeah, so Keegan Allen on a different podcast suggested The Witcher 3 as a cool video game and that detail changed Benjamin Light's fucking life. I've played a lot of that game. He's, he was right. He has spent conservatively 200 hours of his life playing that video game because, More. because because his bro Keegs suggested it. Keegs was not wrong. It's it's like everything you wanted Skyrim to be. Also, you'll like this detail. You know what I just did last night on Amazon? I'd love to know. Ordered four more Witcher books from the original like Polish writer. Oh, that's right. You've been reading the books too. Yeah. Jeez. Thanks, Keegs. Wow. Yeah, I know. I would love if they came autographed by Keegan Allen. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're welcome. And like a little middle finger drawing. Yeah. Oh, um, but I mean, uh, yeah, Janelle would be lovely. Um, Ashley Benson seems like a fascinating person. I mean, I think a lot of them really, you know? I mean, I'm not picky. <laughs> I know this is a shitty answer, but everyone. Yeah. I um a couple interviews have fallen through over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, one that we set up and we couldn't figure out because of timing, and I want to thank him. I doubt he's listening. Is um Alexander Nafong who plays Sam the blind guy from the the Jenna Is that his name? Sam. Okay. Yeah, yeah, his name is Sam. Yeah. Um, go figure. Um, through one of our listeners who knew him from high school mm-hmm. like i i got to speak to him briefly via like facebook messenger and he was a really nice guy and just we couldn't figure out the timing of to have a chat at the time ian harding would be pretty fun i think like literally everyone but i mean yeah. like i would love to talk to just like the bit player who has like a sizzle reel on youtube about other acting roles i mean i i would love to talk to the various cast and i would love to talk to so-and-so's like stand-in you know just because when we were on Spencer the Spencer Standen, like we were sitting there, and I'm like, "Who the fuck is this girl? What does she do?" And then she, oh, oh shit, she's Spencer Standen. Holy shit! Like, I don't know. Oh, where I'm like, we're we're talking to Troy, and then I look over at the monitor, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, how are you in two places at the same time?" <laughs> oh, that's your Standen, and that's where Twinster was born. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I would love to talk to the PR people for for Freeform or ABC Family. Um, what show are you watching? Yeah, the casual little details that they dropped to us when we were there were fascinating, and they're just they were just cool people. Um, so I I think I think like I said, when I go back to like, did it hurt me? I, there are great people who make this show, and as other people pointed out, you don't always have that with TV shows. Sometimes there's great TV shows that are made by some some shitty people. I mean, in general, like there have been shows where like eventually I was just like, you know what, I just I can't do it anymore. I'm out mm-hmm. on this show. Like True Blood, I made it into season seven of True Blood and after Al C died. And it wasn't because I was necessarily upset about Al C dying or anything, spoilers. But um I was just like, I don't need to watch this show anymore. Like Homeland, I made it to season four. Mm-hmm. I stopped watching the Arrow and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow this season. Like to me, it's like if a show is causing you this much stress, maybe just stop watching. You know? Fucking mono. Caused me a lot of stress. Yeah. Eventually I was just like, nah. You know, maybe I'll get, come back to it eventually. Maybe I won't. Here's a preview of our Supergirl podcast. I hate all of the men on Supergirl except for Martian Manhunter. Absolutely. Yeah. All of the men. Mm-hmm. All terrible. Not as good one among them. Uh, uh, I think uh, 
Peter Fashionelli as a villain. Oh, yeah, Peter Fashionelli. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, I'm on record. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of him. Peter, I mean, you know, like like there's a certain role in Trouble we'd love to get Nolan North for. I'll sign up for Peter Fashionelli. That'd be cool. Sure, that'd be interesting. Hell, I'll have Peter Fashionelli play Trouble. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe I'm not. Um, so which of our top fives do you want to jump to? Uh, well, let me just go to my one top. How about top five A tags? Sounds good. Why don't you go first? This is, of course, very subjective because there's so many and they're all good. But mm-hmm. uh, honorable mention, I have one. Do you have one? I don't have an honorable mention. My honorable mention is A in Montecito Airport in Birds of a Feather. Ooh, good one. Just, drinking. It was like drinking the vodka soda mysteriously. The, the, the idea that like, ooh, A is like mobile. And mobile. an adult. Yeah. An adult. Okay. What's your number five? Oh, you go first. Uh, my number five is from To Kill a Mocking Girl, season one, episode three. It's pretty simple. The it's first when, one. Yeah, it's when A is printing off hundreds upon hundreds of those photo booth photos of Emily and Maya making out. And what was at first, because I mean, for me, it was like, okay, so Emily's into girls. That's really not that scandalous. But I think in that scene, in retrospect, as more and more you see are being printed out and put on that wall, I realized how closely guarded that secret is to Emily at that point in her life and how big it will be of an impact if it comes out. And just the mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My number five, cleaning, shredding Paul Varjak's identity and then cleaning Tippy the bird's cage in The Melody Lingers On in season five just because we hadn't seen Tippy in like an entire season. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was just such a love letter to the, uh, the committed fans to be like, Oh yeah, Tippy's still here. Yeah. Hey, remember Tippy? You yeah. love Tippy, right? And it's like, yes, we do. <laughs> um, and number four, if these dolls could talk season two, episode 24, a shows up at the doll hospital and pays off Martha and gives the creepy stuff, the giant lollipop. <laughs> Absolutely. And then a is just flush with cash. I don't know if this entirely counts as an A tag. I'm going to put it in here anyway, though, because it was the last thing in the episode. Number four for me is Mona savoring her victory with some wine at the end of Misery Loves Company. Season three, episode 16, after she has destroyed the Toby Spencer relationship. Just the her satisfaction is delicious. What is she wearing? A V8 hoodie. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Number three. <laughs> season three episode 11 mm-hmm. single fright female a puts money in the jukebox and then I we realize almost picked that one yeah we the realize A's, there's yeah. another a there uh-huh love that which which i guess my runner-up would be i can't remember the episode number the uh the bottles of whiskey with the liars heads on them hold and that, the spinning okay Ooh, nice my number three and i feel like you're gonna be jealous of this one okay tennis ball aria with the pink streaks no no you're not jealous you know why why? My number two. All right. <laughs> Season six, episode five. <laughs> She's no angel. Oh my god! Just the. I don't know what A was doing, but I love it. It's so weird. Yes. <laughs> it's so deliciously weird. What's your number two? <laughs> my number two is spin the bottle and what becomes nice. the brokenhearted. Yes, yeah. where the A repositions the bottle towards Spencer to be like, nope, we're definitely gonna screw with her. Which, in retrospect, is Toby looking to kind of. Uh, establishes willingness he's trying to like justify himself i guess with mona be i'm like, trying to justify my will be like 
oh yes, I'm I'm definitely an A. I'm not uh, I'm not still secretly with the liars. Look at me go after Spencer like this. It will all have been worth it if we have the same number one. I don't think we will. Mine's probably wait, 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 tell me tell me the season. Season one. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Go for it. Season seven, episode nineteen. Farewell, my lovely. Okay. A driving off in the sunset, listening to Harry Nelson on the radio. <laughs> That's certainly a good one. Mine, I don't know. Maybe this doesn't deserve to be number one. I don't know. Something I just always enjoyed from A was uh, someone to watch over me. The broken glass heart with Hannah's name on it. Ooh. Put in a box with some super glue with the message from A to say have fun putting it back together yeah. or whatever A says. It was just so mean that I really enjoyed it. Even though I'm not sure Spencer that I'm not sure Hannah ever got that box. No, I don't think that ever showed up. No, but still, it was it was. Mona as A obviously had particular personal cruelty to Hannah beyond all the other liars. That was always delicious. I almost want like that that one episode of Community with Abed has the whole backstory in the background of the scenes where like <laughs> there's something where like there's a horrible Speed Demon Express delivery boy, and then like later on you find out he's died mysteriously. Um, yeah, we're out of champagne, man. It's a real problem. How did we get through seven hours of podcasting before? With two bottles of champagne. One of them was a Magnum, I think. Fuck. Yeah. I got some vodka. Well, that's a recipe for a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, so Donna asks, in an ideal world, who would you have wanted Pick Tuni to finally talk to? Shower, AD, or Aria herself? Oh, wow. I, I think I got to go with Aria there. Mm-hmm. Just the... Uh, Aria monologuing with herself going back and forth between her personalities that would have been delicious. They're all delightful but yeah, Aria is the Lucy ultimate choice. Killed it, yeah. If if like for some reason they're just having a hangout, all the girls and their significant others and Aria's just like, oh yeah this is my old childhood best friend, she puts it on and then like they're all talking but like only shower sees as like Petunia's head turns there and it's just like, none are innocent, all shall be buried in the Village of blood. I think the, like, the oh key is God. that, like, that, like, Lucy never turns to look like she's like facing another direction. Yes, yes. Pictunia just turns on its own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your uh, your phone call um, interrupted my joke about um, Lucy Hale speaking to her hand puppet, which sure, sure. I'll never forgive. And um, are we recording right now? Is this part of the podcast? Sure. Then uh, this is the last one. I quit after this. Um, I can't work at this unprofessional conditions. Uh, so Donna asks. Oh, that's Donna's question. Sorry. Uh, Morgan asks, if the PLOs were superheroes, either Marvel or DC, who would they be? Oh, geez. Um, gosh, I don't know. I think if you were looking for a Captain America, Superman type kind of and ambiguously good, you'd probably go with Emily. Okay. Um, Spencer, maybe Rogue. Okay. I don't know. So you're going Marvel, because that's what you know. I guess, yeah. Yes, because I'm a DC hater now. Um, I'm just more familiar with Marvel. I mean, should we stick it to like the MCU or I don't know? I don't know. <laughs> Morgan, you might have stumped us. It's like there's only too, almost too many answers. Um, I mean, my my very generic, vague answer is uh, 
DC's precursor to the X-Men by like months. Uh, Doom Patrol. I don't know who's who. I just like that name. Um, I think we've talked on Twitter before about assigning new code names if they were original X-Men characters. Mm. I just remember that the uh, um, the Spencer character was called Relentless. That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> Spencer could have been like Polaris or something. I don't know. Well, that's kind of a deep cut. She has a magnetic personality. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Arya's Wolverine. Um, I don't know who Hannah is. Who who gets the horrible Southern accent to be Rogue? Sugar. I think uh, if it's an accent, we got to go to Troy and then you know who who gets to be Jubilee. Who gets to be Psylocke? Does Emily get to be Psylocke? I think Mona maybe. Ooh, ooh. should be Quanan and and Psylocke. Hmm. Sorry, we're super geeks. Um, so then Gnome beat me to the topical question that I would have asked next. Who are the PLLs amongst the defenders? Okay, so this only has one answer. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it does not reflect well on Arya. But uh, if you're just going through them, Spencer is obviously Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. Okay. Lawyer, angsty, quasi-Catholic. You know, that's definitely Spencer. Does that make Toby Electra? Yes. I yes. am the black sky. I am the black sky. <laughs> Why am I in this? Did I die? I don't even remember how that ended. Is is Toby calling wing? Hold, hold on. Okay. Hannah. There's only one person Hannah is, and that's Jessica Jones, because Hannah knows what Hannah means. Okay. She uh, developed her drinking habit a little, and that's what she became. Similarly, Emily could only be Luke Cage. They are both very cut and dry. Like they're they're not shades of gray. This is who they are. They're they're kind of heroes helping the common man. That's oh. definitely Emily. Yeah. Okay. Which unfortunately leaves Arya to be the immortal Iron Fist. Um oof. Yeah. Ezra as as a member of the hand who runs his own dojo. Uh-huh. Uh, Iron Fist. God, I made it through like two and a half episodes of that dude's own You never show. finished it? No, I didn't. Sometimes I get in the pit fights for yeah. money. I just don't know what they thought they were doing with Iron Fist. Because he, he, is... he clearly should be for comic relief. And yet they were like, no, let's make him brooding and serious. And, and like, the Defenders is so much about his character. You yeah. Know, him and, the, and, and Daredevil, but in a way that hurts. Mm. So who... Who would be Claire if Emily is Luke? Like Caleb, probably. Okay. Just not necessarily in terms of relation to Emily, but just kind of like always there supporting. Okay. You know. Would Allison be Sigourney Weaver? Oh, God, I hope not. God, her character was boring as fuck. What a waste of Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Um and the, the actual like the, what the fingers of the hand in season six. Yeah. Season seven. Um. Gnome's other question is: How would you describe PLL to friends who haven't seen it? Gnome, who wanted me to know that they have, um, and they tweeted us quite a few times as the Moo Points podcast. I would say the PLL is uh, a little bit Veronica Mars, a little bit Twin Peaks. No, you, you sneered at that. I sneered at the Twin Peaks. Okay. All right. What would you say? Um, 
it's hard for me to describe it in the veins of other shows. Okay. Um, I, the most important. Whoa, you look really drunk all of a sudden. It's awesome. I'm not drunk. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's the most important teenage murder mystery show about love that you've ever seen in your life. Okay. All right. Uh, wow. One of the Sarahs really bringing it. First question: Top five cringeworthy moments. Oh, I can't say I can't rank them, but let's I, throw I, out I, five cringeworthy moments. Zach, the the yeah, Zach hitting on Hannah was super cringeworthy uh, when he like puts his, when he suddenly realized that that's what's happening. You're just like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely one of them. What do you got? I had Zach. You had Zach. That's it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put this way. Sarah's number two question, which maybe we can we can bunch them together. Yeah. Top five most male chauvinist moments. Chauvinist? You mean? Did I say chauvinist? Yeah. I meant chauvinist. Sorry. Okay. Chauvinist. Ah, uh, geez. I mean, I'm sure there's some Ezra stuff. I don't know. The entirety. <laughs> Ezra fits his life. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, Wayne Fields and the uh, as a representative of the patriarchy. Mister Patriarchy. This yeah. young woman is in her quest is under my guidance. Yeah. Classic Jacob puts and recap there. Look at my many patches. Um, gosh, I don't know. Like specific moments. That's hard to say. I mean, Toby certainly had his. Um, Toby when he's like uh, Caleb when he's like waiting at home for Hannah to show ooh, up. Yeah, he's like Dad Caleb. Yeah, that wasn't a good look. I'm sure there's there's endless Tom Marin ones, but uh. Even though he's using it as a cover to get her out of trouble with Wilden, I think it's Wilden. Um, but but uh, Toby's like, Spencer, how many times have I have to told you? You can't leave the keys in the car on the side of the road. Yeah. Wilden trying to interrogate Hannah and like mentioning that like, oh, there's no picture of you from this uh, year. You must have lost a lot of weight. Like that was definitely in there. That's an early episode. But yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty. The men in Rosewood are not good. Holbrook definitely had his moments. How does a girl like Allison? I'm sorry. How, how does it go? How does a girl like Allison become a girl like Allison? That wasn't great. <laughs> I just like the sneer as you do it. <laughs> You're trying no, to like see, get a rictus that would do the sounds. He you talks want. a little. His voice is a little bit higher. You know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's next question: Who had the most satisfying character arc? Uh, hmm. well, I would say not Emily, just because I feel like she arced from being afraid to come out to coming out to then just kind of being there. Seems like they didn't really know what to do with her after that. Yeah, there's like part. settling down with the girl who used to like bully her heart. Mm-hmm. Um. And be saddled with children at twenty three. I think the problem with this question is a lot of the arcs like seem to go somewhere and then go back to where they were. You know, like this idea that like oh, and then Spencer just got back with Toby eventually. Um, probably Mona. Yeah, I was gonna say Mona probably. Um, Even though ultimately she did kind of like succumb to her adrenalized hyper reality and just like make a new layer and have people to torture. So, which is happy. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, from their own perspective. Ezra. <laughs> yeah, nice arc. Um, Hannah at least changed as a character, I think. 
Yeah. She she used to be a much more kind of embittered and mean person, like in the early season one. And then she kind of worked her shit out with Dr. Sullivan. I mean, a lot of season two was Hannah neglecting her friendship with Mona. And then the final episode, she's putting it on the line, at least in the first half, when poor Caleb, who apparently has enough sex with Hannah to hopefully make a baby, then gets fully dressed to dress her down for <laughs> for her attention to Mona. Which episode are you talking about? The last episode. The very last? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she got her legs up on the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's trying to ovulate, and he's just like, listen, I'm going to get fully dressed and tell you this isn't working out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sarah's fourth question. Just how serious was Peter Scotch? Extremely serious. <laughs> as serious as only a manly man scotch could be, I guess. I don't know. Uh, More serious than Byron Scotch, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. And Ezra's, I think it's Nolan North. You know, Peter Hastings is probably like Byron. If you have to say your scotch is serious, how serious? How serious is it really? You know, isn't there something where Ezra belittles to Arya the scotch that he served her dad? Like he, yeah, he, he cucks her dad to her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's Ezra, all right. Um, so different Sarah asks, any pitches for the scholarly articles that you'd like to see written about PLO in 10 years? Oh gosh, I don't know. Do you have any? Um I've I've joked before semi-seriously, uh, like the the musicality of Joseph Doherty would be one. There's obviously one about a fan base and the obsession of shipping and how that can Just shipping yeah it can tie back into the show and you know for better or worse sometimes worse um uh, norman buckley brought up a good one in our last talk with him just like the, the dark psychology of teen shows and how they tend more towards the dark mm-hmm. as don DeLillo said all plots go deathward um yeah uh next question from sarah what other kind of projects do you like to see some of the actors appear in Hmm. I would like to see them all succeed wildly in like major motion pictures. Um, I'd like to see Shay Mitchell get some kind of overall general development deal and maybe a role on a Lifetime TV show. Um, I'd like to see Troy and maybe end up like in a Richard Linklater movie. That'd be cool. I also want to see her in like an action movie though. For reals. Yeah. Um, Something of a scar and where she's also swinging from a rope while like waving a cutlass. I really like the idea of Ashley Benson being like Mar- uh, Captain Marvel. Um, I would certainly like to see them all waving lightsabers around in do a you, Star Wars movie. Do you, are you wishing bad upon Brie Larson? No, no, nothing against her. But. Like if a like an Acme piano drops on Brie Larson, hey, yeah. you got Ashley Benson. Um, if more, Lucy Hale could end pixels, up on like a CW sure. show, that'd be cool. I think she's already there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think these people are all super talented, and um. I don't know. I'd love to see Janelle Parrish in a Star Wars movie. I'm very curious about whatever Janelle Parrish gets up to next. Can she play Sandy in a Grease revival? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that's all she can do. I mm. I think. I feel like the, here's here's the tragedy of our lives. We're never going to see the full potential of Janelle Parrish, um, and that should scare you. That should like that should keep you awake at night. Um, 
Next question. What is the most satisfying way to rewatch the show? Drinking. I, Heavily front drinking. To, like what? I don't know. understand that question entirely. Like front to back or are you like talking about like a different order? Or? Upside down in bed yeah. with someone you kind of like. I think I think if you've already watched a show, take a year off. Yeah. Give it some space. Give it some time. And just come back to it later and watch it again. I think you'll you'll find a lot that you enjoyed. I think especially with these last episodes, they're so recent that it's hard to really contextualize them. And so if we had a year off, I think it would be there might be things that surprise you that you didn't notice. There might be things you like more that or that you like less, you know, mm-hmm. but just giving it some time to breathe. I think what you should do is you should watch the show casually. Take some time off. Run to a friend who's just discovered the show. Do a podcast where you both watch the show. And I don't know. See where you end up. Um, best PLL drinking game? Do people actually play drinking games? I have no idea. I don't know if anyone... I, has anyone ever actually sat there and like diligently been like, oh... Tyrion just said this. We got a drink now, you know. I mean, we're sitting here having switched from champagne to rosé. It's not really a game, though. It's just deadly serious. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The death match. I, I'm not aware of any drinking games that are out there. Um, I think drink liberally while you watch would be my my game to suggest to you. I'm sure there are. It's like drink every time Ezra is shitty. Oh my god, you'd be dead. Yeah. Drink every time there's an A tag. Or drink every time Black Hoodie shows up, you know. Your liver couldn't. Drink every time that. a liar lies. Oh shit. Um Nick asks, what are the top PLO head cannons that you never got to see on the show? Hmm. I was like my Eddie Lamb headcanon. With the sister? With the sister that he that he had a sister who died and which is why he imprints on young women who uh joined hospital there that's a good one yeah i like the mushroom thing that never panned out even though it it really should have um we i know we did get questions about like what's the worst pill episode and whatnot um it's like you don't really want to disparage any one person but i feel like the answer is probably 712 um that could have not been the answer if they made the mushrooms mean something Mm. um yeah, I know like our top 20, or in some of our cases, top 40, apparently, um, are a direct reaction to Vulture did a list about a month oh, ago. Oh, fuck those guys. It was, it was a bad list. It was a bad list. Well, I, I couldn't even figure out like what their, where they were coming from that they would have made such a list. Like what was their kind of thought process to it? Well, and it for the bizarre. publication to have two writers who, from what I gathered, weren't doing their regular coverage of the show like rank all the episodes that seemed faulty to me um a davis asked uh a question i don't understand when will we see the wiki journey i don't understand that either um then vivian darkbloom asked why was mona joining ad in the finale i think that's pretty self-apparent yeah ad showed up to recruit her and mona joined because she had her own scheme that she wanted to run that was successful. Yeah. yeah. Vanessa asked, why did AD text Hannah to say that, yes, they knew her in 6B when they didn't know Alex? Because they hadn't decided who was AD yet. There you go. 
Sean Lee asked, if you were to write a new PLL with a new A, who would they be and what motivations would you give them? Well, when you say new PLL, do you mean like an entirely new cast or the same cast? Or I, I don't. We got a lot of these questions. I don't fully know. Decide amongst yourselves, guys, and then regroup and get back to us before our next episode. I mean, I don't know how you do. It'd be tough to. Okay, it's the same cast. They're back again, but you need a new A. So either one of them has suddenly gone evil, mm-hmm. unbeknownst, or it's like, oh, it's it's that new character Carl who's just hanging around the whole time who we don't know like you'd have to bring in a bunch of new characters to try to camouflage you know? one question about carl yeah is he hot yeah i mean it's PLL. would you call him hot carl yeah um michael asks will you just talk about jenna like what does she represent did you like her in the show just talk about jenna i like jenna i think she represented the liar's guilt i don't know if they ever fully addressed or dealt with that within the show mm-hmm. that is one of my disappointments but um i think she represented the potential darkness of the liars what makes with like a like a villain from like a japanese ghost story mm-hmm. <laughs> um sarumi asked why was Bobby more important at the very end than the bond between the liars themselves and i would actually direct that question to i marlene king and not us mm-hmm. um, i think you know how we feel about that yeah Somebody who, again, doesn't know their audience called Needs Spoby Spinoff asked, <laughs> what do you think of Spoby's Endgame compared to the others? Uh, me? Not much. I don't give a fuck. I, I just, I don't care about shipping. I'm sorry. I think we had a question somewhere. It's like, what's like, uh, like there's some sort of shipping, like what's your favorite this or that? Or like, I, I just don't care. Um, I don't care. Sorry. I, I like the enthusiasm you're bringing to the end of this. Yeah. Um, oh, we still got a lot more categories to get to. So we'll do one more question, then we'll jump to the next category. How about? Yeah. Uh, Nispo Spinoff also asked, and this is a somewhat important question because um, it ties into the show. Was it necessary for Toby to get raped again by Alex? I don't know. I mean, I guess plot-wise, as Alex tries to take over Spencer's life, that would be something she'd want to do. If she can convince Toby, then she should be able to convince others as well mm-hmm. um i don't know i know some people are really upset about that i just i don't know we never really saw any aftermath of it or even a suggestion that there would be any aftermath or fallout from that on the show perhaps toby and spencer will need to go to some counseling but yeah i don't know okay uh what category do you want to do you want to do of ours next uh let's see we have done the top five a tags how about top five pll scenes i've got an honorable mention do you i do what's your honorable mention and we might have you know i know you cast a shade upon it earlier we might have some confusion between scenes and moments but we'll see whatever might be two different lists my honorable mention is starts with toby driving the stolen arv and flashing back to the interpretive memory moment between him and Allison in his room and his stupid little cars, A is for Alive, Season 4, Episode 1. Okay. That's when everything changed for me as far as Toby. Your mom's lazy. <laughs> yeah. My honorable mention is Paige and Emily in the pool in Stolen Kisses. Emily with a Don't Look Away. Um, How that's... great would it have been if that was yours and then mine was just like Emily in Shower? Between the swimming and season six, I miss shower so much. I know. 
What's your number five? Um, Ari and Duncan, The Airplane at Night, Eye of the Beholder, season two, episode 23. That's going to be higher on my list. My number five is, uh, I think I've already mentioned this, the kind of Hastings intervention scene in A Person of Interest mm. where they're trying to kind of set some ground rules for Spencer and she's just like, I'm terrified. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, number four, <clears throat> I don't think it'll be a shock for anyone who knows me. Season three, episode nine, the con game. Mm-hmm. It's the true for dare with team Sparia versus Noel Khan and the Jenna thing while CC watches. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> to have, like you said, the Japanese demon representing all your guilt and fear and Noel Khan of his Cheshire cat grin, like facing off against you and they know your fears and you're trying to confront them with truths. And somehow you don't realize it, but fucking CC is watching and listening and taking notes. And uh, the one guy who, uh, what is his name? Who never gets laid? It's not Connor. Um, no, no, it's a, it's a like, like Stanzi or something. It's something crazy. Yeah, it's a weird name like that. Yeah. yeah. My number four is Allie and Spencer arguing in Spencer's living room in Shadow Play. Mm. Can I just get one straight answer out of you? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. Ali Ali at her most deliciously villainous. I feel like part of me at times was, there was a like a I don't know I was like forcing myself to back off of certain episodes because I felt like they were yeah too large for other categories. Um, my number three, as mentioned before, is Emily confronting the shadow of a in the greenhouse. Do you want to see what you're afraid of? Season two, episode fourteen, through many dangers, toils, and snares. My number three, as you mentioned earlier, Arya and Duncan in the plane in Eye of the Beholder, S2A23. I fucking love that scene. It's so good. I love it. I wonder yeah. I wonder if uh, uh, our num- my number two was on one of your slots here remaining. Mm. Uh, season three, episode 23? Uh, perhaps. I'm your puppet, Spencer and Allison dancing. And Spencer dancing with the hallucination of Allison mm. to Dionne Warwick and uh, just everything about that scene, but including the, oh, honey, you don't even know me when you knew me. I wonder if our number two and number one are swapped. My number two is Caleb at the door. Oh, shit. Spencer won't let him in because Hannah's <laughs> there and hit and run, run, run S74. Um, that's just an incredible scene. It's, uh. it's all the drama that they have set up pays off in one scene. Well done. That is my number one. <laughs> yeah. My number one is Spencer and Allie slow dancing and I'm your puppet. Uh, it was just, I feel like the can just the perfect Spencer Allie exchange, even though she's not even real there, you know, dancing practice is better than the real thing. You didn't even know me when you knew me, you know, isn't this your mother's song? No, your mother, you know, well, all that. so think about two of, of your listening. Benji's suggestions there, the Spencer and Allison scenes, and um, this will come up to one of the later like uh, listener questions, but those are both great scenes. And in both of those scenes, Allison is entirely hallucinatory. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's not remotely real. And I think that's interesting. Um, let me scroll back up here. Yeah, hit, hit us with some questions. Scrolling sounds, scrolling sounds, scrolling, scrolling. Still scrolling. I have a question for you. Okay. How dare you? For one of our listeners. Oh. Do you think PLL was unknowingly influenced by anime? So I have a question for one of our listeners. 
from Jane. She asks, rank the Banes. Early page, five years forward, Spencer, finale, Allison, pilot, Ashley. Banes? Bangs. Ba- oh, Bangs. Bangs. Sorry, what did okay. I say? Bangs. I said Banes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> or perhaps you're wondering why you would style your hair like that before throwing a man out of an airplane. Uh, hit me with the list again. Early page. Mm-hmm. Five years forward, Spencer. Okay. Finale, Allison. Mm. Pilot, Ashley. Pilot, Ashley. Five years forward, Spencer. Uh, Allie, five years forward. And then Paige. Paige's bangs are last because those are just, man, those bangs were rough. That would that, be my ranking. You're deadly wrong about the end there. Oh. Allison's hair in the last You're really episode. not a fan of Allie's bangs, huh? No, it's a okay. bad look. Um. Man, Allie, you just lost a page. How does it feel? Yeah. <laughs> it's time for Paige to go, then, she says. Um, Jane's other question is, where would you place the PLO characters in the Scream world? Like, who would die first? Who would be Ghostface, etc.? Uh, Aria would probably be Ghostface just because, <laughs> you know, wouldn't see it coming kind of thing. The Hannah, killer popped in here. They're only four feet tall. Hannah's the gorgeous blonde. She goes first. Okay. Emily's second. Spencer's the final girl. I'm trying to picture Hannah like, my boyfriend's named Caleb and he'll kick your ass. <laughs> That's his, right. I will. His name would have to be Caleb, would it? Um, and I'll kick your ass with hacking, but still. Got some questions from Cassie. I feel bad. Cassie says she falls asleep each night to head cannon. Um, that can't I, be good. That's reasonable. Yeah. So does Benjamin Light. <laughs> but just to be fair, only the his parts. Mm-hmm. Um, her first question: Any favorite lines from the parents? Hell yes, there are. <laughs> Obviously, that one. Um, gosh, I'm sure Ellis had. I mean, you know, why am I asking you? You wore forks for earrings. That's a classic Ella <laughs> moment. Ashley's probably had a lot of good ones. The what is is this a lesbian thing about the pink drink? You know, or is that a gay thing? Whatever she says there, that was good. Um, I don't know about Pam though. Pam dressing down is it? Uh, Paige's dad. Oh yeah, that was a good scene. I don't know if there's a line in particular, but when she like ditches like her killjoy daughter to go hang out with the uh, the I'm joining their book uh, club. Bride, I don't know what what was that like a was it a bachelorette party? It's a, like that a what? bachelorette and bachelorette party. Yeah, 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 I think that's what it was. We're gonna <laughs> on Sunday. I'm coming over for brunch and book club and scissoring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like any like great. There's one because I remember I always remember this because you posted a screen cap on Facebook like three hours before I saw it of uh. Wayne Fields actually meeting of Ezra talking about Jessica De Laurentiis and like she actually believes her daughter's alive. I always laugh about that. <laughs> Could you give her just like more work to keep that crazy head of hers busy? Yeah. <laughs> um Cassie also asks, favorite joke from the podcast? That being like totally like running in the back. joke or yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um hmm. I mean shitting in the bag is pretty good. Pretty solid joke. Uh, do you have any others? Uh, just the one that has the most legs. Like I would greenlight the show of it as it is right now is Pictunia. Yeah, 
Um, Evil Pictunia, that's a fun one. Just because of who they are, just trying to figure out the hows and whys of a friendship between Toby, Caleb, and Ezra. Um, there was a bit when we were kind of ad-libbing Ezra and Caleb dialogue when like they had this weird scene where they met at the rally. Mm-hmm. It was like post time jump where I I think it was you who's as Caleb was just like he took an extra 20 bucks out of Ezra's wallet and he's like sorry asshole tax that was just I feel like we, that really nailed it you know uh, well that scene is so weird like why the fuck are these two talking like they're best fucking friends yeah I know Um, and it was always a downside it's like why well, you had to get rid of Paige because she couldn't like you couldn't do that scene in the finale where like Paige is at dinner of all them because she's like, she's like, I can't look at Ezra seriously. So you just be like, can we leave? Can we just go? Yeah, somewhere can we go? Like, this yeah. is not. This is not cool. Um, Blep asks, <clears throat> does Addison become more annoying in the show if there is no spinoff with her? Uh, I don't know if it really matters one way or the other. I think the annoying thing is just that they devoted time to something like that without. I, I don't think they did a good enough job of weaving it into the episode. You know, there have been there have been times when shows have kind of done like backport backdoor pilots or we've done characters are playing a spinoff. Some work and some don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think when Barry Allen shows up on the arrow before he becomes a flash, that generally worked, I would say. Well, because if he didn't get a flash show, it's fine. Yeah. It's a DC Comics thing. And it so. was ultimately just another episode where Arrow's solving a crime or whatever. Whereas the Addison stuff, it stuck out like a sore thumb. And I think they just like kind of betrayed her character a little bit where it's like, oh, you were just getting high with your boyfriend in the car where it was like, if you want this to be your new Allison, you got to up your game. You can't make her like kind of like that lame, you know? Well, just Addison on her own in that one episode's fine. Well, when she tries to blackmail Emily, it was such a like a, oh, that's all you're going to do. Like it was. But I mean, if she was a single episode character, that'd be one thing. Bringing her back in the finale of her crew, except for my girl Willow, who's eternal. Um, like, I don't buy into the whole like we're just showing that these patterns will always repeat because they're kind of ornate, specific situations. Um, it'd be a different thing, I think, if you were to show in the finale that like a male teacher was like starting an inappropriate relationship with Addison, then you're really fucking commenting on something. Yeah. Um. Also from Blep, if you had to show three episodes to anyone who had never watched PLL before to get them in it, what would you pick? And I think we've always said the first two episodes. Well, the first three. Yeah. yeah there you I go. mean, yeah. I just, I don't know how you can watch an episode out of order and really understand anything that's going on with the show. I think the first three episodes, you get the initial weirdness with Allie being dead, but the A messages, and you get the Jenna thing, and then you get a little bit of the intrigue of... Mm-hmm beginning of a kind of messing with them i just <laughs> what, what are we gonna say game over charles like plop like him in there shadow play you know like i don't know it just wouldn't make any sense i don't yeah. think yeah um a lot of iterations of this question from julia if you could have killed off any character who would have been ezra like at the end of season at four the end of season four that's the obvious choice to me i think he was supposed to die then um <laughs> Write it in a letter and mail it to the freeform executives. Yeah. Um, Cindy asks, is there any character that was killed off that you wish hadn't been? Hmm. Wilden, probably. 
Wilden, I mean, they, they kind of captured a little bit of it with Holbrook, but it was never quite the same. Wilden was always the kind of authority figure who they could not trust, mm. who was up their ass, you know. Um, I think he functioned well in that role. I was trying to think of, like, could you bring back Maya in a way that wouldn't be grading? The other answer would have been Cece. I think for me. Oh yeah, CC for sure. CC's my answer, but like if, I was trying to think in a, in a theoretical world where you have access to Vanessa Ray and she can be in whatever site you need her to. Yeah. Don't kill her off in the flash forward. First of all, she's just that good. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think like, could you, could you continue with Ian in some fashion? I really liked Ian. Yeah, that's tough though. Maybe like if Ian just ended up in jail and he was that character they would go to at the jail cell occasionally instead of garrett if you did that though wouldn't melissa have to have kept the baby uh well she would have had a miscarriage like something that keeps tying their family back to ian you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um evie asks would you rather have an emerson spinoff or a show featuring mona alex and mary that's not even a real question come on (laughs) evie also asks what do you think mary's true intentions were screen time i think what we got on screen i don't know she just wanted to reconnect with the daughters and i think she she obviously wanted revenge on her sister but other than that she wanted to reconnect with her daughters okay this is a question you're gonna fucking love but someone actually sent it to us it's been asked before but with the show over now what do you think was up with that little ghostly girl in hannah's bedroom on halloween nothing okay i think it was just a Halloween episode thing that was spooky. I don't think it meant anything in the larger plot line at all. That was from Jasmine. Thank you, Jasmine. From Stephanie and Darian, we get a couple questions. Who gets cast in the movie version of Ari and Ezra's novel? As uh, Ezra and Nicole, I guess. I guess so. Hmm, I don't know. What do you think? <coughs> Jason Biggs is Ezra. Ooh. <laughs> That's rough. Ah. <laughs> Can he, that guy doesn't get movie roles anymore, DJ Qualls is Ezra. Oh, I know it's going to be. It's going to be fucking Miles Teller as Ezra. It's going to be the bane of my existence. I got to go to my like standard IMDb accent. Maybe Shailene Woodley as Nicole with a bad Australian accent. Ezra. Ezra. Shailene Woodley with like dirt and leaves in her hair the whole time. Uh, I feel like we can do better than Shailene. Let me take a look. How about Nicholas Holt as Ezra? I feel like that's your your best possible scenario there. Are you going to say Case Stu as uh? As uh no, no, no. That's not what about Case Stu as Ezra? <laughs> no, I, I like Nicholas Holt um as Nicole. Let me think. Let me look at some of my recent movies here. Um. Going also back to Skins and that season of Skins that Nicholas Holt was first famous in. How about the chicken place Gilly? Oh, uh, Gemma Whelan? No. No? No. That's, that's, Is that Yara? That's Yara slash okay. Sasha. Close enough. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that for Nicole. Hmm. Free Larson? I feel like that would be okay. So Brie Larson had to hand a fucking award to Casey Affleck. I feel like she suffered enough indignities. Okay. 
Um, Rosamund Pike's probably a little too old. <laughs> Nicole's got a little bit of a Mrs. Robinson thing going Elizabeth on. Elizabeth Olsen. With Nicholas Holt? I don't know. Hmm. I'm just looking at my movies right now. Most of them are older, unfortunately. Okay, go know. classic. What would the classic version of this be? Like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor? I don't know enough about Richard Burton to say one or the other. Does it have to be a man and a woman? Can it be two guys? Can it be two women? I think it could. But, um, hmm. I feel like we don't have a good answer for Nicole yet. Because yeah. um, Dustin Hoffman as Ezra is really appealing. Oh, God, yeah. Ezra. Who is Nicole? Maggie Gyllenhaal? No. And Jake Gyllenhaal is Ezra? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, they also ask, how do you think Mona's dollhouse turns out? Who kills first? Who first? Does anyone escape? Who becomes the reek to Mona's Ramsey first? I think Mary Drake probably goes first. Okay. To, to reek and death? Whatever. Yeah, she's out of there first. Um, Alex and Mona... Perhaps a romance develops. I don't know. For the people who didn't get, uh, what's it called? Spona? Yeah. What'd you call that? Uh, Alex? Malix? Al- Alona? Alina? Maleficent. I don't know. Um, question number three from Stephanie and Darian. High school teacher Jenna Marshall. That's the question. That's it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, Marlene. Oh, what was it? Like life skills teacher? Yeah, I don't think we had life skills. We had a uh, what do they call that class? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, you weren't a senior there, so you don't remember. It was like I want to say it was well, there was home ec. Okay, that's that's one possible like life skills, and there was like consumer finance. I think was the other. Those are the two classes that that's would, not what Jenna's teaching. Theoretically, like teach you how to function as an adult. I guess, yeah. That is not the vibe that I got from Jenna. Mm-hmm. I picture Jenna every week is like doing a field trip to the woods and like unleashing a bear on her students. Well, life skills, you got to figure that's like how to balance a checkbook, how to change a tire, that kind of stuff. At least that's what I interpret it as. Hmm. Um, will Spencer ever get the chance to finally kill somebody? Will Allison? I think Spencer eventually goes her own dark way. And finds a way. He must suffer her too. Yeah. A little bit of Dexter there, I mm-hmm. think. She finds someone who deserves to die and she makes it happen. Mm-hmm. Allison? Her dark passenger. Word. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, dip into some of our top fives? Sure. How about top five PLL moments as opposed to scenes? These are just individual moments. I've got a couple honorable mentions here, it appears. I'm. I do two as well, but I'm sure there's like there could be there could be like thirty honorable mentions. Sure, but I have two. I have two as well. Um, eh, this one's I don't know. Now I'm looking at it, I'm not in love with this one, but my runner up number one, a drives a car through Emily's house. Okay. Uh, my number two honorable mention is the chickpeas. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. My next one is uh somewhat related to that uh liam pointing out to ezra what a predator he is just in general in the book note session yeah my other honorable mention is the uh 
Ian with the milk glass coming up from out of frame to sit the milk. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking milk. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, number five, Hannah slaps Jenna. Hannah, by the way. In case you forgot. Yeah. Uh, my number five is when Alex stops twinning. Ooh. When she drops the hand. I don't have that on my list, but that's a good mm. one. Um, number four, season three, episode 17. Can you guess what moment I'm talking about? Episode 17, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, eyeliner and the, the eyeliner. Spencer put in the eyeliner. I don't have that one. While crying on her way to see the PI out of the frying pan into the inferno. My number four is Allie gets an A text in the first secret at the end of the episode. I feel like that really like shifted the reality of the show on its access there. It suddenly opened up whole new ideas about what was going on. My number three is uh, it's a bit of a cheat. It's a tie between two Ezra moments. Um, the first is when he's revealed to seemingly be A at the end of 4A. Okay. When he slams the, the door in his Ravenswood apartment. And my other one is chickpeas. <laughs> the old chickpeas. My number three is the group text after Toby's house blows up in Miss Me Times 100. Interesting. Interesting. Just the the way the camera swoops over all them as all the different texts go off at the same time is just thrilling. Okay. My number two is follow me, end up like me. That's a good one. I don't know if my number two, I don't know, maybe I should go with a different one. I just had Caleb at the door. Spencer won't let him in. Yeah, I say that more. Oh, wait, no, I'm reading. I'm reading a different list. Sorry. My number two is act normal, bitch. Oh, that's a good one. And bite your tongue. Just, I mean, that's a classic PLL. My number one uh, is Toby's house. Toby's house goes boom. Dog at the Atex. That is theatrical cinematic operatic it is it is like the PL at the, almost at the height of its powers in this this television medium my number one hannah punches jenna this is hannah in case you couldn't guess wow. that that moment was just like oh fuck hannah's brutal oh, i love that moment i like how our lists are like mirror images of each other mm-hmm. all right you got some more questions there shit ton of Scrolling sounds, scrolling sounds, scrolling sounds. Uh, Ashley asks, why would Cece wear a terrible blonde wig to attack Mona halfway through season five when she already has beautiful blonde hair? I don't know. Maybe they hadn't decided it was Cece yet. There you go. Ashley also asks, could you do a comprehensive roundup of all of the possible PLL spinoffs that you'd love to see? Uh, I think we got a few questions about theoretical spinoffs and which one we'd want to see the most yeah we got, we got the one from ashley and pl spin fan obsession if you could only make the one what would it be you go first i feel like it would not be hard at all to do the detective tanner show like i feel like that that would be such an easy cruise of a development process plus like that would be the show by which you throw in a couple like sexy supporting characters and like that's I Marlene King cruising straight into like Shondaland, like producer power territory. Um actual bad guys is funny, but it would it would require some work. I always like the haunted vineyard with Ashley Marin. Yeah. Ashley like inherits a vineyard that's haunted. Um you don't really need Hannah. I feel like you he can get away with a new cast of characters there, really. See, it's the beauty of that though is it could be any age level. Yeah. Honestly, that could be a kid show. That could be like a teen show. That could be an adult show. Like it could be like sexy dark shadows. Yeah. Um 
but my vote goes for haunted vineyard first. okay i've i've long tried to convince benji that we should do a haunted vineyard podcast mm. um we'll see uh, also from PLO fan obsession if you worked on the set what would your job be <laughs> pa i don't know um i don't know i'm, I'm not like a carpenter so probably wouldn't be like set designer or, or anything related to that like um I don't know, assistant, some sort of assistant. I guess as a director, it'd be interesting. Script supervisor would be really interesting, I think, for the the process. Um, I wouldn't mind like a journeyman thing through camera operator. Um, eventually, you know, like director of photography. Not not simple, easy jobs. Um, so back to Ashley. <laughs> so she's asked, so Melissa was engaged to Ren and broke it off when she found out that he made out with her little sister. He tried several times to get with Spencer, then he tried to get with Hannah, and eventually Ren and Melissa got together again, only for him to dump her this time. At what point does he meet Alex? So the timeline makes no sense. Because he meets Alex sometime after 4.11, but then he's magically back with Melissa later in season four. So it, it, it doesn't add up. But. So my... My headcanon is that Ren plays it cool in, I can't remember the episode title, season five or the episode number, but it's Bloody Hell is the episode. When Spencer's visiting England for the college interview, my headcanon is that Ren plays it cool. Oh, hello, Spencer. It's good to see you. He gets the fuck out of there one night claiming a work thing or something. He goes down to the pub because he can't handle being the same flat as her. He's throwing Colin at her because he's hoping that will... Let him be cool because he's got the urges. Um, and then he goes to this pub. He tries to order a drink. The bartender turns around and holy fucking shit, it's Spencer Hastings. I must be in Twilight Zone sexy hell. Um, that's my headcanon. Um, that doesn't line up with the timeline, but sure, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't see that as a as a problem. <laughs> Has anything ever lined up with the timeline after season four? It's interpretive, yeah. Um, next question. What happened to the NAT club after season four? This isn't about some stupid club. I mean, I really think that is your answer there. Um, what if they said that at Paley? What if Marlene was just, in the show? What if Marlene said that though? Like some fan asked a, a snarky question, and she's like, "This isn't about some stupid club." I can only assume that was a plotline they thought about but never followed up on. Um, if they had, presumably, there's some some benefactor some figure above the like street level there mm-hmm. who has been kind of running in and garrett and jason but is i don't know older above them something like that works for me it um, would have been a good plot line i think if they explored it but they didn't uh marco whoever that is that has said numerous times that he didn't think the uh, nearly enough time materials were produced with the show what kind of things would you guys have recommended Oh, the video game would have been good. Um, I don't know. That's tough because our interests are not the same as the show's target demographics interest. So I don't know. Um, I think books anchored to the show, like a book well, series. Were books, you know? But I mean, like anchored to the show. Because like even Lost had like tie-in novels. Yeah, they sucked though. Well, they had... I they... read fucking The Bad Twin. But I read see, that okay, stupid so book. It was bad. Lost... I'm sure it was. I never read it. But Lost had two tiers. They had the Bad Twin, which was like the novel within the show. They also had like just novels of Lost, like characters doing stuff. Kind of like the- Yeah, I read a little bit of the Kate one. It was bad. The problem you run into there is that you 
you can't ever really go anywhere with your kind of uh, ancillary material because mm. the the show is kind of what determines the canon. Mm. So what do you do with those? Like any any kind of narrative side material, I think, is unsatisfying because of that. I, which is why I think like just like a a fun video game or stuff like that would be more. I think a video game we we talked about in that one episode. I I think like if you could do it like some kind of mobile platform would be interesting um as i've said many times a comic book would be awesome um also from ashley which of these three characters would you have brought back if you could for more andrew dean or cyrus ah uh, uh, i guess andrew just because i feel like there was he kind of got a cap on his character but you could have had more mm-hmm. cyrus would probably be second and dean we never need to see dean again he was Blah. Yeah, I guess Cyrus would be my answer. I mean, he had stuff with Allie that you could have theoretically explored, like more to that story. Also, he was a bit of a sassy pants. Um, who actually killed Shower Harvey? I mean, I think theoretically, according to the show's like loose canon on that, it's Noel Khan. Um. I like the idea of it being Alex, just the idea that Sarah opens a door and it's Spencer there. Oh no. Oh no, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, poor shower. Maybe she's not dead. Uh yeah, maybe we'll find out in twenty years. Um which of the horrible Rosewood man would be the first to join the Trump administration? Ken? Uh Jason? Probably not Jason. I could definitely see Ken. Um, maybe Peter Hastings. I don't know. Wayne's dead. Tom Marin would for sure. He mm. sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, any flashbacks you still wish you'd gotten? Hmm. I feel like there was more they could have done with the five years forward. They didn't explore it that much. We had, I, th- I want to say we had like one Spencer flashback. If I'm not mistaken. Well, no, technically two, because she had one with Caleb. But like What's the Soul Spencer one? The one where she thinks she's pregnant with Toby in oh, her right, dorm room. Right. So they're both with boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there was an opportunity for more mm-hmm. that they never explored there. Um otherwise, maybe Mona stuff. Or or Alex stuff. This is where I'd be dangerous because I'd be like, let's look at the beginning of the the novel of Girl Who Played a Fire. And just give Spencer like that prologue. Um, what is something you still wish people understood about this teen murder show that maybe still doesn't get the respect it deserves? Oh gosh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, everything about that question, I would just rephrase back. It doesn't get the respect it deserves. Um, because it's a teen murder show, like, you have to really get past that and and kind of anchor yourself to the more ridiculous elements to, if you're a broad TV viewer from the beginning. I think you have to look past some of the plot elements to the kind of deeper ideas that are happening. Yeah, like like if the show seems like from the beginning it's giving a pass to Ezra, you have to look past that and hang on. Um, so Jessica asks, if PLL does come back in the future for a movie or a miniseries or a revival, what brings the liars back together? What's the plot? Who's A, etc.? 
my answer to this is always like murder mystery in a big mansion clue, basically. I don't know what else they do with that. I think Maybe I said something before, on vacation. Yeah, like uh well <laughs> the finale kind of did that. Uh French vacation, Paris yeah. vacation. Or like uh combine the two uh uh mansion on like uh on an island. I yeah, and then they were done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could just be like, it's another A. Like, I just, I mean, at a certain point, have these liars. Well, nothing, like, you know, the general setup of and then there were none is an A message. I know. It's, yeah. But it's like a solitary one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jojo asks, do you think the show will hold up 10 years from now? Oh, uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, as well as it holds up now. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Enthusiastic answer. Next question from Jojo. And the chances that we'll actually see something like a revival? Well, I should say this as to that question of whether or not it holds up. Uh, speaking of shows like this, a lot of people are migrating to Riverdale right now. Go, Just go take a look at the, the quote-unquote mystery of the first season of Riverdale. Bland. And then compare that to the first season of PLL. Compare the pilots. Like there's PLL, I feel like, is a much richer show with more going on on it well, than and, uh... Riverdale. The first two seasons of PLL with the few scenes you get of Allison, take the weakest Allison line you can think of and compare it to the uh, best Jason Blossom line you can think of. Does Jason Blossom even have lines? No. He sucks. Um, he's great. Uh, Lauren asks, where do you see all the liars ending up 10 years in the future? Oh, so chances of seeing something like a revival. I don't know. Maybe 10 years. Everyone's career is at a lull. Considering uh, what the current trajectory of popular culture is, it's, it's good. But is the demand going to be high enough that it does the finger thing means the money? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people to bring back into the stable. Like, is what or was Gilmore Girls a bigger show than PLL? I don't know. I'm sure there's some metrics you could use to determine that, but I, I wouldn't know. I don't know, being that it's on presumably a more major network, the CW being than Freeform. Um, but was it tweeted about as much? Is it the most tweeted <laughs> show? That's dumb. Uh, I don't know what the you know Netflix never really releases their internal metrics, but obviously something was going on enough there mm-hmm. that they saw the value. Um, so then Lauren asks, where do you see all the liars ending up in ten years in the future? Maybe revival, Lauren. Divorced. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Spencer Caleb, one hundred percent having an affair. One hundred and fifty percent having an affair. Yeah, at least div- once. Divorced and widowed, or Ooh, widowed, widowed. Yeah, widowed. Mm-hmm. Who? Who's take your pick? Toby or or uh, Emily? Ezra. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Emily. Uh, I think you got to kill off Allie in that. Uh, Emily's a single mom of two kids. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. She put him up for adoption. She's like, God damn it, I'm the hottest 34-year-old you've ever seen in your life with two kids. Um, Mo asks, how would you reinterpret PLL as a sci-fi story? Would A be an alien or an AI or whatever? I think AI probably more than alien. Just some sort of all-knowing intelligence. Hmm. Yeah, I think AI probably fits better. Okay. Like on a spaceship or something? Yeah. Like dark matter, but good. Uh, Leonie asked. Started on that show, fucking number one. Oh man, who's number one? Did you watch that show? I think I watched the first season. I watched the number one is like just like your your everyman dude who you're supposed to be rooting for. Did you ever watch season two? I got like one episode in season two and bailed. 
Did you get to the end of the first episode of season two? I think so. What did you think of the character at the end? I don't remember. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'd rewatch it again. Okay. Um, specifically for that character's conclusion, episode one. Um, Leone asks, in the vein of Shadow Play, what other special theme or gimmick episodes would you like, like have liked to see? Like a musical live audience sitcom style or one shot or you know, one camera shot or what? I think musical, they could have. I mean, it's tough because I think the best musicals, they write their own content. And you really, I don't think you can half-ass that. I saw. I think we saw with Supergirl what happens when you half-ass Ooh, a musical. God, that was bad. With Supergirl and Flash there. Um, but theoretically, you have a lot of musical people on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, musical or dancing or whatnot, I think they could have come up with something good. Mm-hmm. Um, that or I think I've checked before. I would love to see the Western version, but like you know, <laughs> they're all stuck in like old West Rosewood. But like making the liars like gunslingers and like mm-hmm. finding some version, like that one episode of the Brady Bunch. You haven't seen that episode no. of the Brady Bunch? No. They're like taking their shoes off to try to throw them at the keys. You haven't seen that? No. Oh, never mind. No. Sorry. They go to a ghost town. Oh, I would love to see the liars go to a ghost town. Um, Stephapotamus <laughs> asks, who would you revive from the dead on the show and who would you sacrifice in their place? Mm. We already got some variation of this, but I like the uh, sacrifice aspect. Cece for Ezra? It is law. Yeah. Um, Sarah, a different Sarah asks, "How have the characters grown over the course of the show?" I think we already get this question, kind of. Probably. Um, Victoria and Katie. I mean, the the basic answer is they grew somewhat, but then they leads back around to where they were to start with because of ships. And they decided that even though they hated that town, they would never leave it. Yeah. Um, Victoria and Katie both ask. Would the show have been better if Allison had never returned from the dead? This is my point when I brought up uh, Shadow Play and um, I'm Your Puppet. I I don't think so. I think the the problem with bringing Allie back wasn't that she was suddenly alive again. I think the problem that they, the error that they made was trying to make her the fifth liar, like treat her like another main character. I think you you can just never really fully get inside of Allie's head. She's too mysterious and unknowable for that. And I think it was a mistake to try. But I think you could have brought her back, but they still needed to have her kind of at arm's length and separate from the four main liars. I think trying to make her a fifth liar is a mistake. Well, I think you can argue. I, I don't think Allison is necessarily bad in season five. I think she mostly works Allison in season five. After it's Allison after yeah. that, yeah, yeah. I think she mostly works in season five. Although you could maybe make the argument that the trial and imprisonment demystified her a little bit too much mm. that she didn't have much else to go to at that point. Right. Yeah. So a couple questions, for Victoria. Then we'll take a break with one of our our categories. Uh, why was Hannah targeted so heavily in the five years forward era? Uh, I don't know. I could have just been. I I suspect it probably was not by design. I will say that. Okay. I, I think it was just like she did not have the Spela plotline going on. She did not have the Arya Ezra bullshit or eggs or eggs. Presumably, it was just issues pull, with Sarah Harvey and her eggs. Just to pull Caleb away from yeah. Spencer even more. I mean, hence. 
the big part of that episode was written. That was it was was it TikTok bitches written by Iron Marlene King? Like oh seven oh one, yeah. Yeah. So um okay. Next question. Who was the biggest waste of a character? Oh wow. Ooh. That's a good question. <laughs> can't can't pull any punches there. Talia? Ooh, or, wow. Wow. Maybe Sydney. Hmm. Or maybe Leslie Stone. I feel like those are all Lucas? No, because Lucas served the purpose. I think we all kind of got the idea of what Lucas was about. He was Mr. Friendzone who wanted more but couldn't get to it. Um, I think that made sense. I'm not sure exactly why the fuck Sydney was in the show or why Talia was other than to be like, guess what, Emily? There's like gross people who will kind of prey on you because you're young and impressionable. We don't know which of uh, the two Emerson babies she was from the future. Yeah. <laughs> Or was it she a Paley baby? Uh, Clark as well. Oh, Clark. Yeah. What the hell was the point of him? I feel like they could have looped him in more and they just, or at least make it an actual romance. It was like, I don't know. I'm not sure what the point of him was. Uh, I like the character, but with the ending, I assume because of actor availability, I would almost say Marco. Marco, I, I just thought of another one. Um, Reese Matthews was oh. that the same? Like, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, it was just like we we want you to think of Ren. Basically, it was the we only. Want you to think of Ren and Jason. Yeah. Um, Victoria also asks a lot of season six characters. Jordan. <laughs> no comment on Jordan. Um, I can't even do the accent. Um, Victoria asks also when Caleb finally took a shower in season seven, did he use a loofah or a washcloth, bar soap or body wash? I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think, uh, I think it probably uses that like, it's like Dove, but for men. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's probably not an Old Spice guy. Okay. If he was, it would be Swagger. Um, but I think that one of those like Dove for men. If you have more of it, you don't need less of it. Yeah. And I think he's got one of those. It's like one of those poofs, but it's for dudes. It's a, so it's it's a poof. But it's for dudes. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's got like a it's like a taint scrub. A weird grip on it that's like manly, so it's, you don't feel weird about it. It's not quite dick shaped. Yeah, but he definitely he's using one of those, not so, just like a rag. Like your rod, it's shaped perfectly, evolutionally wise, so your hand won't fall off. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts on that. Um, I think I, I my simple answer is he sneaks in and uses the robot death shower. Oh, and then he just dies. <laughs> Do your worst. <laughs> Just like scalds his gross skin off. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So which of our categories? Do we Let's this? see. We have done a tags, peel scenes, peel moments. How about let's do our tertiary characters. We kind of have like two different lists for this. So we have one off characters. And we have side characters. Let's do both, but which, yeah. which you want to start with? Why don't we go with the, just the one off like extreme tertiary characters? Um, my number five. Do you have any runner up? I do not know. My number five is the bacon and cake guy. Season one, episode six. No place like homecoming. Me as well. What are you guys doing here? Bacon and cake. Yeah. Love that guy. I feel like ours are going to be exactly the same. But uh, Oh, I'd be curious. My number four. I don't remember the exact episode. It's from a Brian Holden episode. It's Hardy. Ezra's bro. Oh, Hardy. Initially. That's a good one. I didn't think of him. He briefly normalizes Ezra and then dude what are you doing <laughs> casts immediate judgment upon him 
That is a good one. I should have thought of. No, my number four is original Alex, uh, Alex Santiago. Okay. I believe it was his name, his boss at the club. It was just like, <laughs> I'm going to go home and like drink myself a new stupor or whatever he said, like fall asleep, my own vomit. I don't know that guy was, I liked what that guy was about. Um, my next three, I really want to make them all number one. Okay. So I'll go number three is uh, Sam, the blind student that knows Jenna from Let the Water Hold Me Down. Oh, I got that guy a little bit higher than you. My number three is Next Time Wear Pants, that nurse from season five. Okay. When they're investigating Cyrus. Yeah. Um, my next two are, are a little bit of cheats because they're, they're, I don't know. I, I think of them as one-off characters, but I admit they're probably not. So number two, Hector Lyme. My number two is the Game of Thrones nerd from Gamma to Die. You got the crazy eyes. Yeah. No, we don't. They're not that crazy, so <laughs> yeah. she says. They're not that crazy. The Lannister <laughs> always pays their debts. I have a lot of anxiety about you tonight's finale, Lannister. guys. I have a lot of anxiety. Um, They are going to bang so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's in the title. But yeah, Hector Lime, the guy who trades secrets for faces. I want to make him number one, but I didn't. Who you have number one? Miles Corwin, okay. the skip tracer. Well, I had the blind school guy number one. Okay. Because Miles Corwin showed up in two different episodes. Blind school guy only in one episode. Uh, definitely dug that catch for number one. So let's switch to our uh, slightly more tertiary character top five. Okay. Number five, I have Harold Crane. Okay. The oh, well, psycho guy up. from Unmasked, and then he shows up and like she's better now, I think. Sorry, I have two runners up. Um, Bridget Wu. And Mrs. Horowitz. I almost put Mrs. Horowitz on there. That, those are she, both solid she choices. Kept, she kept jumping Bridget up Bridget Wu, the constant mentions, yeah. She was Noel Khan's prom date. Yeah. Um, I was doing a, a wiki dive, and there's a lot of like Rosewood High students that I totally forgot about, uh, like Amber. Uh, my number five is Cindy and Mindy. Oh, the twins. That's a good one. That should have been my honorable mention, yeah. Good old twins. My number four... I feel like this guy could be higher, but Duncan Albert, the pilot. Okay. Well, not a one-off guy. character, but a side character. I call him a side character. I okay. guess. Yeah. Um, he was in two episodes. Yeah, you're gonna hate. You're gonna hate my number four, but I'm gonna go there anyway. Cause fuck it, Leslie Stone. You bag of hair. You bag of hair. I almost put Leslie Stone on like a lot of these various things. I'm not sure if I ever did, but yeah. I. <laughs> I like her bizarre affect. I love the where she fits in. I like her look. I just think she's such an interesting character who I just I think like let me, let me on a longer timeline in that period there would have been more with Leslie Stone were Leslie Stone Sidney Driscoll and Shauna Costume Shop all supposed to have been the same person at one point in time probably I do wonder serving the same purposes at different times yeah well because you can't you can't have like Jenna and Allison's friend they fight over and possibly both date also become Mona's friend yeah I know <laughs> I guess you could, because that's really the power struggle of the liar's orbit. Where are we, number three? Yep. Hector Lime. All right. Love this guy. All right. You trade information for your face. I love the way Arya like refuses him. He's he, whatever line he has, you know, like, oh, you got a really interesting face. And she's just like, thanks, I'm keeping it. She speaks, but he hears Pictunia's voice of You couldn't handle my true face. <laughs> my number three. Is Tippy the bird? It's not bad. It's not bad. My number two is Eddie Lamb. Oh, okay. He's fairly well featured, but I feel like he still qualifies as kind of a side character. He's 
no one's significant other. He's just kind of there in the background a lot. Yeah, love, yeah. We, we love Eddie Lamb. My number two is Detective Barry Mabel. Oh, that's a good one. I don't have Barry Mabel on here. That's my number two. Yeah, that's good too. My number one, I think this was your number one, perhaps in another list, was uh, Miles Corwin. Oh, yeah. Gotta love Miles Corwin. Yeah. He's weird. He's moody. He's a little sensitive as a PI. He's like a PI who uh, has a philosophy degree, perhaps. Maybe he carries around a, a dossier with his medical history whenever he moves to a new town. <laughs> Bang don't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the level of understanding he conveys when Spencer rips that photograph in half and hands mm-hmm. it to him. Uh, my number one is Eddie Lamb. I, Eddie Lamb, what are you going to say? I mean, he's that, he's that character that everyone is like, why couldn't we, we get more of him? And I think it's because he ended up on Agent Carter for one season. Not good on Agent Carter either. I was disappointed with what they did with this character there. The writing, not great. He was great. I think they like didn't, they wanted him to be a love interest, but then didn't at the same time. And so he was like in a no man's land. Yeah. Where he was kind of, but then they like, he had to do something out of character to like remove him from that equation. They made him yeah. evil at one point, right? But not really. Yeah, it was dumb. Anyway, uh, do we have any more questions? Oh, we've got tons. Sorry. We have so many questions. It's going to be a four hour podcast. Yeah. Going out with, uh, you know, Paige's season one bangs. Um, Katie, what are you drinking? She asks. Well, we had some various cheap champagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the first one you, you popped open? I don't know. It was something from Target that looked fancy and like a nice black mm-hmm. bottle. Then we switched to Cook's. Yeah. And now we switched to a rosé wine. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. I want to say it starts with a, a coat, a C-O-T-E. It sounded very fancy. You bought it because of the bottle? The bottle, the, the bottom of the bottle is uh, the glass is shaped like a rose, which is very fancy. The top is interesting. It looks like something that a wizard would pull off their shelf. It looks like something Ashley Marin would drink. Probably not. Ashley Marin would drink something more expensive. It was... Over ten dollars, I want to say for this bottle. I don't know that they're serving this at the Bradbury or the Radley. I can't believe you're pissing all over my (laughs) wine here. (laughs) Um, next question: Do you guys hang out outside of podcasting? I feel like diehard fans like to know more about the match from the mics. Yeah, I've never met this guy before outside of the podcast. I don't know who he is. This is a court mandated podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I cheated on my taxes and Benjamin Light diddled the wrong people, so the judge sentenced us to do a podcast. <laughs> um, that'd be a pilot we could pitch. Um, have you ever heard whether or not <laughs> characters you've slammed are aware of the show and what is said about them? Examples no. being Keegan slash Ian Harding. Uh, Katie says that she thought the Brendan Robinson interview went well, despite the constant I hate Lucas comments. I feel confident that Brendan Robinson had not listened to the podcast. Probably still has not. Um, probably a good thing. But I, I think we've pointed out for the most part that while we might hate characters, we appreciate some of the actors. I mean, we I think we mentioned when certain actors we think were probably not that great. But for the most part, it's like it's it's characters who are my issue with Lucas meant is to be not terrible, the and the actor's really good at conveying that. Yeah, my issue with Lucas is not with Brendan Robinson. It's just that like I don't like the character. It's not that I don't yeah. like the performance. I feel like he's he is executing the kind of person that I could, I don't want to spend more time with. You know, and also we don't know these people, so I can't say that I I dislike this person or whatever. Like, yeah. this is a single role, and I I I think generally all of the actors are fantastic, even in the smallest roles. 
Um, Katie asks, is Emerson not the most annoying ship ever? No comment. Uh, <laughs> Hiding from the angry Emerson shippers. She asks, do you ever think you will podcast Riverdale? Probably not. I think the thing, I think I'd like to say that we learned a lesson when we tried to do the young Pope, which was that <laughs> if we don't like a show, it's not fun and it's not like I don't know. That show like compounded the fact by releasing two episodes at once, whereas like we just didn't want to watch them. You know, it's like, oh my god, there's two of them now. Um, but I think it's not fun to go deep on a show that you you're just not enjoying. And like if you if you're out on it at a certain point, like like I said earlier, where it's like I stopped watching Homeland. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? They like just stop, just don't podcast. Like if you don't like a show like generally speaking people who listen to podcasts like the show or at least somewhat like the show that they're listening to the podcast about and if you're just completely out on it then why are you talking about it you know it's different if you're doing like a bad movies podcast that's a different thing yeah um and like i said somewhere halfway maybe a little past halfway i really started to turn on riverdale and i started to see it as much more trite than the beginning the potential of the beginning i could talk a lot about riverdale but ultimately like if you're into that show it would be like there's probably another podcast you should listen to other than the one we would produce like 30 there's a lot of them and there's a lot of pll podcasts where they clearly don't like the show and or haven't really watched that close you 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 can learn the lesson Mm -hmm. that we're trying to learn um yeah uh what are your thoughts here's big one what are your thoughts on marlene insisting that spoby winds up together so i've not read whatever article or tweet or whatever this is in reference to i don't give a shit i just don't um i mean i saw her instagram post I've got about my it. own head cannon which is that that definitely doesn't work out for a lot of reasons but whatever i saw the instagram post that she initially the author did, is dead which i assume inspired a thousand like entertainment weekly mm-hmm. blurbs or Content whatever farm blurbs, yeah. yeah um i i just don't think that she gets that it felt like i think she's responding to hurt spoby fans that's who she's speaking out to she really feels that ship but i don't think that she gets that a lot of people were hurt because the the liar's bond was more integral and crucial to them well, uh, i think once 720 ends, you can go to whatever Marlene says, or you can just make up your own headcanon. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, a supporter of that, you know? Yeah. Katie then asks, do you envision any of the actors making it big? Uh, yeah, all of them. I mean, it's implying that they're not making it big now. I mean, they had a number one teen show for like seven years or whatever, um, but like a movie big or whatever, I think. If I had, I don't know, like if you want to like put money on one or two or whatever, I feel like Lucy, well, Lucy's doing a TV show, so that might limit her again. Um, well, but but it's your definition of big. I if, think they're already big. If you yeah. want to be the lead of, I mean, lead of a TV show on a broadcast network, it's not too shabby. I mean, at this point, I feel like bigger is like lead role in a like summer tentpole movie. Basically, Troy Belisario is in a Richard Linklater movie. She got to star in a movie she co-wrote. She directed yeah. an episode of her own show. In addition to attending a director's workshop where she got to direct some poor actress and playing her. I mean, I would say that's that's pretty big. I mean, 
there's like starring alongside like ScarJo in like an adaptation of some anime or something. I feel I don't like know. <laughs> I feel like they could hold their own. Yeah, I think they're way. I think they're doing fine. I think you have a lot of incredibly ridiculously talented people here. Um, other than Troy and Janelle, she asks, "Who would you from the who from the cast you like to have a beer with?" I think we already had this conversation more or less. Yeah, uh, all of them, but especially I think Lucy and Keegan would be fun. Oh, I would love to do shots of Keegan Allen and Ian Harding. Ian Harding. Yeah. Um, who was the worst slash most insufferable significant other of a liar? <laughs> <laughs> Riley Peepstash. Uh that guy ranks, I mean, like any significant other. Um egg. Talia. Would he really be a significant other? I don't even Just know. Just because he laid a smooch on Spencer? She didn't deck him? I was never Would Colin a, be I'll I'll lay it out there. I was never a fan of Maya. I just I know some people like her. I feel that. I feel like Maya, like she rolled in was cool for like two and a half episodes and then like I don't know I'm trying to think because I rewatched that that one of those early episodes and she came off a little better than she did the first time but like in general I felt like she was very selfish I Mm -hmm. guess would be the best word I could choose like not really respecting of Emily's own emotions Mm -hmm. Um, so that's usually why I didn't like Maya other than that I mean Ezra obviously you know Maya ranks for me. The only thing that could have made her worse is on her private website that no one else could see that had a bunch of terrible videos. If she whipped out a guitar, she named Antonio and she wrote a song called Gold Falafel. Oh, yeah. um, uh, last question from Katie was Do you think Kendi is still alive? Can we say it? One, two, three. I hope so. I hope I'm still alive, but I'm not. Um, no, he should be dead. Fuck that guy. I wanted uh God, there's been so many revivals of the X Files. I wanted Ken to reappear like uh season nine of this Cancer Man on X Files, where like he's like in a cave with like super long hair. Ken with long hair. Yeah, there you go. It's like like meditating with like some some indigenous peoples. Uh Kendra asks, Why do you think the liars are voluntary stay, staying in Roosevelt after the finale? And how many baby crazy twenty three year olds do you know? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I wasn't listening. Take that, Kendra. Um, it's a harsh... Sorry, I keep getting my Apple Watch keeps notifying me. My friends are spoiling uh, Game of Thrones for me right now. Fuck them. Fuck That's them. okay. I already read spoilers, but anyway, continue. You keep your goddamn mouth shut. I, I'm keeping my mouth shut, man. Uh, why do you think the liars are voluntary staying in Rosewood after the finale? And how many baby crazy twenty three year olds do you know? So I can, I could like, I could uh, hand wave an explanation for the baby thing. I think we never talked about this in the finale podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is how I would justify it, even though it's just in a direction I would go in personally, but this is how I would justify it was that Emily and Allison, they have kids. Mm-hmm. And then there's these, there's these two other couples. You got Aria and Ezra and you got Caleb and Hannah and Hannah and Aria are both just like, Oh shit, babies. Like, wh- like their friends have babies. Now they want babies. Like that's the only way it makes sense to me is like a, like a, mental contagion you know where it's like oh now they're baby crazy too because their friend has a baby they want one too Mm -hmm. usually that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen until you're like in your late 20s but maybe it happens in their early 20s for them i could theoretically rationalize that um what was the other part of the question saying rosewood yep uh i think 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious as our listener base. I feel like most people stay where they grew up, unless uh, forces outside themselves get them to move elsewhere. I don't know. Well, I guess the difference between me is I was really only framed for murder twice. So I guess that's kind of how I was able to move a little farther away than when I was born. I don't know. I guess I'm just lucky. Um, Kidras, do any of the reveals ever feel off to you? Off? Uh, I guess what kind of reveal? Um, I think we could agree that the Charlotte reveal was not well executed just because the liars were standing around the whole time watching it on like a hologram or whatever. Um, I would say that felt off just in like the way it went down where they were just standing around passively. Mona and Alex's reveals, I think were pretty good overall. Um, other than that, I don't know what other reveals there would be really. I mean, minor reveals, I suppose, but I guess so. I, I guess I mean, I didn't hear all of your all of your response to Kendra because I was checking the text message. But uh, you know, babies equating TV, happy endings, all, all that shit. Oh, you're going back to the previous question. Yeah, yeah. I was just okay. thinking about that. Um, last question from Kendra, which I think kind of answered spherically other ways. Why didn't Emily ever get a turn at the game? Because there's only ten episodes. Did she not get a turn at the game? I think because it went to like Hannah again. It went to Allie, I guess. Which is kind of related still to her Hannah. Eggs, man. Yeah. Give cut her cut her some slack. Um, I think most likely because they came up with this idea for a game board and then like half the writers ignored it, I guess. I mm. mean, I don't know. I don't know why the game wasn't a bigger part of six or seven B. I think it it could have easily been a part, but it wasn't. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know how good answer to that. I think there's plenty of stuff you could tweak Emily on at that point, mm-hmm. especially that she had like a legitimate job. Yeah. Um. With with seven from Oliver and Sarah, the question is: Was seven seasons too many, and how many season slash episodes should the show have been told over? Or what would you have done differently? I think we we covered a little bit at the end of season six, right? I yeah, I think I don't know how to say what too many is. I think television shows are not. I think TV shows are always going to be kind of fluid in how they progress. I don't think it's something where you could just say like, "Oh yes, this should be five seasons," and they'll just do five seasons and nail it and get out like. I think TVs are different from movies in that way where you can plan out a movie and be like, this is a story we're telling. You can plan out even like a trilogy maybe and do that. But for a TV show, it just kind of goes until it's probably been going too long and then you need to wrap it up. You know, I think most TV shows you could probably look at and be like, oh yeah, the like there was like a, a prime period that was like amazing and then it fell off eventually and then it ended and maybe that fall off is a bunch of seasons maybe it's just one season but i think there's a natural arc of a tv show like that mm-hmm. and it's rare except for in maybe cases like er gray's anatomy where they just keep swapping out characters or whatever it's rare for a tv show to just like maintain a high level you know even now people are bitching and moaning about game of thrones now and when once upon a time this is like this amazing show that everyone loved so. yeah the it's funny is like i 
we remarked to friends after the last episode of Game of Thrones that it was like the first time that I really, really, really felt like, oh shit, there are only like seven more episodes of the show. Like it really is in those opening stages of the final end game. Um, I I go back to what Joseph Dory said when we talked to him. Just the uh, people have different instincts, you know, and some of his instincts that he or some of his things that he didn't agree with other people's instincts were things that gave the show life and prolonged it. Um, I mean, even you know. Buffy, the, the hallowed Buffy. I think it's very easy to look at that and be like, oh my God, seasons two and three, amazing. Season four, eh. Season five had its its moments, and then like season six and season seven are kind of on a downward turn. Like, but they still had like really great individual episodes like buried within the kind of plot. And you could probably say the exact same thing about PLL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just kind of the nature of TV shows in general, is that the interesting to me the interesting thing about tv shows to me is not that they're like amazingly plotted and perfectly planned from beginning to end without a single misstep it's that they kind of ebb and flow and where they go and the decisions they have to make i would have maybe moved i thought it was kind of bold and brave to have the flash forward essentially be mid-season um, granted, that was a long hiatus for from our perspective yeah. as as an audience, like watching it live. But you think about the creators of the show, that was like w- like maybe a week break that they got between mm-hmm. they had to change out all the sets and hairstyles and looks, and also write a brand new mystery. And maybe just maybe five years forward would have benefited from everyone on the creative side having a hiatus of a few months to come Definitely. back and recharge. I think the core of any issues is figuring out who a is and the relationship stuff to have everyone dip their toe in the water of a new status quo only to have that resolved not even by season seven but by the end of season six essentially well i think this is something you could do with nearly every long long running like kind of serialized narrative out there is you can be like oh you could have fixed stuff here and there you know yeah, it's like yeah. it's, it's especially easy when they've run for that many seasons to kind of Monday morning quarterback and, and find ways to fix it. You can do it with Buffy. You could probably do it with Game of Thrones. You could do it with PLL. Um, you could even do it with shows like The Wire and Breaking Bad, I feel like. So, mm. you know, that's just TV. Yeah, TV yeah. is an imperfect medium in that way. It's not like a movie. Uh, it's much more beholden to schedules. Do you want to switch to one of our categories here? Uh, let's see. Where are we at now? Top five episode titles, perhaps? So this category is not the episode itself necessarily, but just like the title, a really good title for an episode. And I think it somewhat implies that it fits the episode well. And it's clever, catchy, sticks with you. But it doesn't necessarily mean this is like our favorite episode of the show. Yeah, Right, right. Do you have a runner up? I do. do just you? one? Yeah, just one. My runner up is Gamma Zeta Die. Okay. Mine is not. My runner-up is S3E14, She's Better Now. I love the simplicity and the kind of thesis statement that that suggests that Mona's better now and all that that entails and whether or not that's true, you know? Okay. Number five, season seven, or Jesus. Yeah, season seven, episode nine, The Wrath of Khan. Okay. Uh, I wonder if you have this on your list or not. I'm going to throw this out there just because it's uh, near and dear. S2E3, my name is Trouble. 
Um, I didn't only because it was on there and I kept taking it off. Uh, true story. We came up for our show and our idea and everything and completely somehow both forgot two guys do PLO podcast. And there was an episode of the show called that. Yeah. Number four. Songs of Innocence, Songs of Experience. Season six, episodes two and three. Okay. Interesting. I have S1 E21 Monsters in the End. I love that title. It's on my list, but it's it's not my number four. Um I really like the William Blake poem. I like the the usage of it. I it's almost kind of highbrow, and I think it's kind of an interesting high water mark for where it places the the psychological and emotional turmoil of the characters at that point. For a it's it's you know, like I said. <laughs> the start of season six is not the problem I had. It's kind of everything after. Um, and I just, I don't know. It it really impressed me that, the, the, of course, these guys always impress me with the usage of that title. I don't know. It, I, number three, Shadowplay. Really? Okay. And number three. I feel like yours and mine are very different here. Number three, I had S5E11. No one here can love or understand me. I just feel like that's such an evocative title there. Okay. I'm just going to turn my monitor around and show you my number two and my number one. Okay. Uh, my number two is season one, episode 21, Monsters in the End. <laughs> that's a good title. Indeed. My number two, I feel like people who've listened to this podcast for a while can kind of guess what mine are going to be. My number two, I love this title. I love the kind of understated aspect of it. S3E24, A Dangerous Game. Mm. I love that title. I feel like it's the perfect title for that moment in the show where we're kind of examining what this A game is right now. I'm very it's curious about your, your number one. Because speaking of evocative, my number one is No One Here Can Love or Understand Me. Um, that title always grabbed me. I appreciate that they used the uh, taking this one in the grave as one of the episodes. I thought that was super clever, but this just, I don't know, speaks to me largely. And the fact that they used another line from the song later in that season, and then Justin already said that the alternate title for Feral My Lovely was yet another song from Bye Bye Blackbird. Um, I just always thought it was so intriguing. Um, yeah, like you said, evocative. Beautiful. My number one. You reference it briefly there. I feel like this could have and maybe should have been the finale of the show. S five E twelve taking this one to the grave. Uh love it. Love the fact that it's a reference to the theme song. I love the imagery that it conjures up about Mona specifically there in that episode. Um, I just love everything about that title. I disagree with you about the ending. I mean, it would have been a fine ending. Um it's kind of the same thing till death to his part. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. But I, you earlier had come up with a great last episode title. Did I? Yeah. What was it the end? End Endgame. Endgame. Yeah, sure. I mean, especially for where Marlene was going. Yeah. Would really. have worked. I'm surprised they didn't go there, but yeah. Uh, so back to questions. Sydney asks, <laughs> how would you have ended the show? I, I don't know. That's, that's a tough question because there's so many potential changes you could have made in seasons past to alter things up to that point. Mm-hmm. It's like how, how far back do you want to go where we start making changes? If I was only affecting, like only altering the last episode, I 
the number one thing to me is I think the liar should have been more involved in determining that Alex was not Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously you you lose the new liars nonsense with your girl Willa and all that BS at the end. Um, something with the wine moms would have been funny there, but ultimately I think the liars should have been more involved in the breaking of the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, Tess asked a question, which I think we've kind of answered or will in other ways. She asked, what's the worst moment or episode from the show? I feel like we've been around uh, Yeah. S2, or I'm sorry, S7012. That's my personal opinion. But uh, Mill asks, could you create a new character in Rosewood and how they would fit into the town and other characters' lives? Oh, gosh. Um, a new character? Mm-hmm. Well, knowing PLL, it's probably some lesbian that Emily can date um because that's that's how it, i mean if it's a female character like girlfriend of the week that's just how it goes yeah um i mean what didn't we hit on art gallery maybe hmm? uh we already had the the barista we've had various bartender characters you're trying to give a profession to emily's new girlfriend a reason for them to run into this person yeah what if emily was dating a cop I don't know. Then you have two people dating cops. I don't know. Hmm. Um, this is not my real answer, but my bullshit answer would be <laughs> Benjamin Light, who's like researching a podcast about the mysterious going along in his town. Hmm. And just Andrew Campbell. Basically. And slowly succumbing to like whether or not he's a Rosewood male. Um, both Holly, Sugar, and Homie have asked, what did Maya know? She knew that uh what did she know she knew shit she knew shit i mean what what did she know i'm trying to that nate was gonna that nate saint germain was gonna kill her i don't think she knew anything about cc necessarily no she knew she knew about lyndon james yeah um do flamango ask what was the biggest what the fuck moment when you first watched the show i think it's pretty simply a girl and her teacher when you first watched the show more specifically it was the paper bag masks over their (laughs) head as they took selfies that was like what the fuck am i watching this is so weird that should have been on our top moments list yeah um next question is favorite line from each liar oh geez i mean hannah knows what hannah means it's a good one other than that though i mean spencer's hard but spencer's had a lot of good lines yeah R is for me is probably just her uh oh in that one moment when I, uh, Emily's living with Hannah. I joked with somebody the other day that you could take a lot of George Costanza lines and say they're Aria lines. Mm-hmm. Like you can stuff your sorries in a sack, Mister. Uh, and Spencer's, you know, they say about hope line mm-hmm. is classic. Emily, she's got her her monologue to A and S two E fourteen. She's got some good page moments there. Um, she probably has some good scenes in Alley too, but I can't think of a specific line there. Okay, maybe just the the bit with Paige, like "Don't look away." That's a pretty good line. Look at me. Um, what was the most memorable thing about PLL? The thing that will cause you to revisit the show in months and years and whatever? I don't know. What do you think? You know, I just love the show. I. I have no doubt. I don't know how quickly it'll be. It could be 
maybe not weeks, but definitely months rather than years, something will make me miss. Some small thing will make me miss the show. Uh, it may be one of those things where I pop on the Netflix for like a quick fix because I can't find all the scenes on YouTube. Um, but, you know, compiling our, our entries for various categories that we're doing made me really go back and revisit certain scenes that I could find on YouTube and then revisit scenes that I found of like, young women especially in their homes like recording auditions of them doing like spencer monologues and things and i just um the characters the actors some of the writing uh the direction i don't know some of the memorable things for me all right well we're fond running, memories spilling out of this podcast we're running fairly long how many questions we have left uh, a couple quite a few quite a few oh yeah. boy uh do you want to maybe do top five film references right now so these are the top five film references that the show does. Do you have any honorable mentions? Go on, Chris. I have an honorable mention. So why don't you do your honorable mention first? My honorable mention. In Cities 2, in the Guilty Girls Handbook. Wow. I uh, just had to. Okay. That's a, that's in a Cities 2, we should go see this. Yeah. I thought about that. That's such a Jake Crowdy guy. Jay Crowder guy comes up on my list, but no. My number five is Noel Khan's head tumbling down the stairs, season seven, episode 10, from Hush Hut Sweet Charlotte uh, to The Darkest Night. I just love it. My number five is the Laura style portrait in Shadow Play of Allison. It's your number five? That's my number five. Wow. My number, I mean, this is, well, let me tell you, like, I, I almost feel like this is a, a little bit of a basic list because it's so prime as to the references but what are you going to do is my top five you know you know i i so i somewhere i made myself a hard list no hitchcock yeah really because there's like a thousand uh number four i'm just gonna say breakfast at tiffany's in so many ways okay my number four was uh to have and to have to have and to have not spencer and toby as boger and bacall and this is a dark ride okay mm-hmm. uh related to that my number th- or number three or number four Number number three, uh, I, you know, half cheat, half real. Uh, every black and white movie that ever appeared in Ari and Spencer's TVs, but in particular, I want to call out The Big Sleep, which Ari and Jake watch on their date in season four, episode three, Cat's Cradle. And primarily, I just want to read quickly, if I can, this paragraph from Heather Hogan. Sure. Arya has invited Garrett's brother over to eat cake and watch The Big Sleep, but this clown isn't into it. He says black and white movies make him think his TV is broken. He probably doesn't even know who Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall are. And when you consider the fact this episode was written by Joseph Doherty and directed by Norman Buckley, two absolute champions of film noir, that's all the commentary you need about Kung Fu Jake. Savage. My number three, dial M for murder and run Allie run. Both on the TV and literally happening to Allie, they're getting choked out by her scarf. Nice. Nice. Uh, my number two is Don't Look Now, the 1973 movie by Nicholas Roeg, starred Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Later on, it, it was actually entitled the episode, but really, I think this is the primary reference for Redcoat. Hmm, okay. Just the look of Redcoat and the appearance and the way they use that splash of red in the background. My number two, Psycho and Unmasked. Several references. The shower scene, the creepy guy with the taxidermy in the office of the motel. Yeah, all good stuff. That reference is little, but big. Hmm. My number one is Allison and Laura, the Laura portrait from Shadowplay. That's pretty good. I, I feel like mine's better, though. Tippy the bird. 
<laughs> Tippy Hedren. <laughs> can't go wrong with Tippy. No, you can't. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, okay. How many of our own categories? I think that's it for our categories, except for our top 20 episodes. Okay. So let's just speed around these questions. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Some people, you're going to get skipped here now. Apologies to anyone whose question we didn't get to. We did get quite a few. Yeah. Erica asks, do you prefer Jason of long hair or short hair? Long. I mean, come on. Um, MGM asks, biggest criticism in the show. I think we've we've handled that. Rachel wants to know if we can settle once for all. Who gives a better massage? Toby or Caleb? Toby. Oof. Wrong as usual. Marco disagrees. Uh, that's how we settle it. Um, There's a reason Alex is like eager to become a different person. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Stephanie uh, asked a lot of questions that others Toby. asked well. I can't even do the British accent. Toby. Um, sort of. The magic fingers. Stephanie asked a lot of questions that others asked well, but also asked, do you really think that Keegan Allen has a weird face? Which is a good segue after your, your little... Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Marco? It's a rugged handsomeness that grows on you. It's uh, It's kind of like I compare it to... There's Daniel Craig now and Daniel Craig like 15 years ago. I feel like Keegan Allen is secretly growing his hair out to play the Witcher in that Netflix series that they're making, even though that might be animated. I'll do it, mocap. <laughs> um, both Jill and Doflamingo asks top three Ari outfits or accessories. Oh, did, did we have an outfit one? Did I miss that one? We didn't do outfits. Oh, maybe we didn't actually list outfits, but I did go and look at lots of outfits. Um, oh, oh obviously forks or earrings. Top three. Uh, I can tell you the 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 absolute bottom of that list is the comic book dress. The Roy Lichtenstein comic book dress. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Ooh, top three. I am partial to the red dress and jacket she wore for her first like big date with Ezra. Mm. That was a great look. Um. The skirt that she wore that was like lightning bolts yeah. sticks out in my mind. She's had a lot of good outfits. I'm trying to think of another one. How about the one where it was like she was wearing like weird gold sparkly pants and then had like a black skeleton shirt on? Can I just cheat and say with a heart in it, a gold heart? Anytime there was a skeleton. No. Um the stop men dress was pretty good. Oh yeah, that was good. Um, there's one, it's not the one I'm looking for, but there's one that she wore in the Kung Fu Jake era where it was a sleeveless shirt with a tiger on it and like a gold yeah. tooth necklace. And then she had like a tiger blazer on top of that. Arr. Damn girl. I think the, the outfit and really the hairstyle she had right at the end of the show there where she had her hair up mm. in uh, like episode 17, episode 18 of season seven. Mm-hmm. That was a really good look there. I mean, we get, we get a lot of peak Aria fashion and like normal human being fashion at the end in the last 10 episodes especially um are in the black hoodie there's yeah there's skirt of ties you know obviously tie skirt yes um god where's the one i'm looking for there's one where it's just like i think original aria they uh, went into like mandy line's brain and dressed aria in the dark original aria the dress with like the kind of like combat boots or whatever she was wearing Mm -hmm. Like I, th- I want to say the outfit that she's wearing in like episode two or three, right after she's gotten finger blasted by Ezra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, she, a good look. she's yeah. just breathtaking. That um, the outfit that she's wearing in that season five episode where she pays Veronica one dollar to be her lawyer. 
oh, where there's like the weird like, reverse like uh, the white suspenders. strap in the front but yeah. like it's like the 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 dress and her hair and everything comes together perfectly i cannot find the one that i'm looking for uh, her homecoming dress the pixie oh, yeah, sith lord the book. homecoming dress for sure yeah um i'm just gonna have to give up on my search i didn't like a lot of her initial uh flash forward look there's a lot of just like leather jackets from what i recall leather jackets and these weird like Aztec pattern dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, she did the one like tennis uh, t-shirt look that was okay, I guess. Yeah. She has a shirt somewhere in like the last season, which looks like it might be like the front of like a Joy Division album cover. Um, I don't know, man. Aria, it's complicated. Um, <laughs> one favorite outfit from any of the other liars, especially Spencer. X-Men trench coat? Without a doubt. That or the uh, steampunk Spencer from season five or the Swedish murder, murder ballerina. I think Emily's outfit in the bang bang dance is like iconic Emily. Like the high stockings, the jean shorts, the plaid. Doesn't she have an outfit in season five when she's dating Paige where it's like thigh high athletic socks, some kind of boob window mini dress with like a jean jacket over it sounds like it yeah um, but I, really i mean it's right on my calendar right there that that look in the the bang bang dance it's like tank top daisy dukes plaid shirt tied around the waist befuddled look and like knee high <laughs> socks yeah that's a good look for her hannah's uh like dark hannah season five hannah Ooh. i think it's a pretty good look yeah she had some various good dress, like fancy dresses for like funerals and whatnot that she'd wear. There, yeah. Um, God, there's an episode. It's the episode I can't remember. It's summer season four where Caleb's there and Veronica shows up, and I, th- I think it's the one where she Veronica informs Hannah that she can no longer be her lawyer, her mom's mm. lawyer. I remember Hannah looked really like elegant and glamorous in that. Um, Brooklyn, I don't know if Brooklyn knows who they're sending the questions to. Her question is, why did you start Pre Liars? How did you come up with the idea? Well, Brooklyn, we were in the bathroom and something fell off a bookshelf and hit us on the head. And that's how we came up with the show. Sure. Shelly asks in the Buffyverse which liar would be a slayer, a demon, a vampire, and a watcher. I'm sorry, what was the question again? It was a Buffyverse question. Which of the liars would be a slayer, a demon, a vampire, and a watcher? Uh, which of the liars, huh? Mm hmm. Hmm. Watcher wise, I feel like Spencer by default almost. You don't think Spencer's a slayer? Well, I think she'd want to be, but if we're looking for who's the watcher, she's probably the most likely to be the watcher. Okay. Who's the demon? Arya? I think Hannah Slayer. Arya Demon. Who are we missing? Emily Vampire. Emily's Vampire. Uh, she's not really a vampire. I don't know. She's a little too wholesome for that. And she could also be a slayer. I feel <laughs> like. Hannah would be a vampire before Emily. Be interesting. These are the new goddess whore archetypes. Um, Prudzi asks, how would you have finished off certain storylines that didn't happen on the show? Bethany Young, LOL. Uh, NAT Club, Shower Harvey. Shower Harvey would have lived to the year 3000, Mm -hmm. my version. Yeah, I feel like she was wrongly maligned because those scenes with her and Emily in season 6A were not bad because of our beloved shower. They are bad because of Emily. 
Mm. They were bad because Emily was being ridiculous and weird and cloying and clingy. I think that Shower took all the brunt of that, like animosity, mm. even though people should have been mad at Emily there. Final scene. Hadley wakes up. It's a thousand years in the future. She staggers out into the, the wasteland. There's my girl Willa. And then a person like a brown cloak wanders up to them, removes the cloak. It's shower with like a bionic glowing eye. Mm-hmm. And she says, that's when the story really began. Um, How would we wrap up other things though? What was one of the other topics? NAT um, Club, Bethany. I just don't know what the point of Bethany Young Bethany was. Would have gotten From the very introduction of Bethany Young, it was like, live. we're going to reveal something and here's a name you've never heard. And it was like, I don't understand what the point of this is. I would have had Bethany get Buried by Melissa Hastings. I um, feel like whatever name they should have revealed should have been a name that we knew. That's yeah. just me. I can't believe people are so still latching on to that. Um, they want it to make sense. They want it to tie in, even though it never really made sense, I guess. Amanda Alicia asks, since we never got the definitive answer, who do you think was there if Mona in the hair salon? The reasons it would most make sense would probably be either Cece or Sarah. Okay. Alex is probably a bit too far. Yeah. Um, Shower Harvey would make the most sense, I suppose. I don't know. It, I you wish they followed up on that. But. You wouldn't see Alex. Allison? Uh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, Caitlin asks, what do you think the theme of the show ultimately was mm-hmm. uh, what was the theme of the show I don't know that's tough what do you think you got anything for that um, I don't have a dress up fancy but something 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 about the, the importance of the bond of women um, to stick by each other against prop the patriarchy each other yeah yeah just the world in general. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, against other women. You know, but not, mostly against the patriarchy. Mostly against the patriarchy. You know, not not to the detriment of women as a whole, but something about the the guilt of what you're capable of, perhaps. Because there's a sexism and misogyny that's built into a lot of women. Like, look at quite frankly, conservative women. I think um, who buy into that mindset. Um, see. Amy asks, what was the most exciting and or humbling interaction or interview you've ever had because of the show and podcast? I think we talked about this. Right, the interview with Troy. Yeah. Yeah. The doing that interview, just like the glow afterwards, I think. And also just going to the set, the glow afterwards from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um Sarah asks, Do you have a favorite episode of the podcast? Oh, the podcast. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um hmm, I don't know. You don't listen to him really, so her other question is and do you listen to them anytime after, like way after they've been released? Well, I do. You listen to some of them, right? Do you do you go back to like season one episodes? And listen I listen to them? to them like after I've recorded them, but I don't like go back and listen to them again afterwards. I have gone back and listened to like older ones when I've forgotten what we've talked about. Some of the episodes I've forgotten about, the sound of my own voice, etc. Um, so one that I always recommend, like I said before, is "Let the Water Hold Me Down." I think that was a strong is season. That the one or you're really drunk. No, I don't think so. I think okay. I think the the really drunk ones are at the end of season one. Mm, okay. Um, uh, Leola asks top moments from the podcast. The podcast, like during the podcast, or just related to the podcast? I think she means from the podcast. 
I mean, getting to go to the set would certainly be one. Oh, what about from like recorded content? Yeah, it's just like excluding interviews. I, I don't know what would be a top moment. I mean, I think we definitely like found like a new level of mania during probably like 610 and 710. <laughs> I think those in particular. Quite possibly and, 720. And 720 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I still have not physically recovered from that podcast. No. Um, Katie and Michelle both ask any shows that you would recommend to fill the PLL void? I guess it depends on what you're filling. Are you looking for another teen show or just another show in general? Um, PLL is a very unique show, I feel like. I don't know if it necessarily has like a good analog to anything else. Hmm. Um, I feel like my answers would be boring here. Most of the stuff I'm watching right now is pretty well known. Uh, you know, Orphan Black, Game of Thrones, Handmaid's Tale. Um, I don't know. Do you got anything? I mean, as you're progressing on and growing older, I think Orphan Black, Handmaid's Tale, if you haven't watched those. Buffy. I watched three Buffy episodes. Buffy and Veronica Mars, if you haven't watched those. Yeah. I watched three episodes of The Sinner this morning. That's interesting. iZombie. I think. Yeah, that, iZombie. Yeah. For like a current show, that's a little bit fun. Um, if you want to watch like PLL on like training wheels, maybe Riverdale would qualify there. Um, Fargo has its moments. Same with Mr. Robot, but those are very different masculine shows. Mm. Um, Person of Interest is a favorite of mine. That's a very, very different show from PLL, but you may enjoy that. Uh, those, those are what stand out to me, at least right now. Yeah, sounds good. I got two more questions. Okay. So we don't need more of our categories left, do we? Just the top 20. Okay. So um, Andrew asked a lot of questions. Um, his email was not the longest email ever. Uh, I think uh, we a lot of the metrics we use in headcanon to judge PLL, we, we've covered his questions. But great question is, what have you gotten out of doing a Prillo Liars podcast that you wouldn't have gotten out of doing a podcast about Lost, Buffy, Game of Thrones, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, I think had we done a Game of Thrones podcast, it ultimately would have been about the process of adaptation. I think one, I want to say by, the, by season two of Game of Thrones, we'd both watch a show. Or and and read all the books, and so our conversation. We know this because we did talk about it on our old podcast a little bit. It would have been a, focused a lot on the adaptation process. I think if had we done Lost, it probably would have been much more focused on the mystery and kind of delving into like the weird kind of natural philosophy aspects to it. Hmm. Whereas I think PLL, because it wasn't this number one mass budgeted show because it had these limitations. I think it was really interesting to delve deep into and see kind of where that tension interacts on a show that isn't free to do whatever it wants. You know, it it has a budget. It can't do fancy CGI. It has to be filmed 22 or more episodes a year, you know, Um, and on this lot on a back lot where you're, locations are limited i think that was what was interesting about pll was seeing the way that the show worked in the margins mm-hmm. which i don't think you'd get with some of those other shows hmm. i think also it's not a show i mean it's it we came into certain things that always appeal to us like mysteries um but it was 
primarily geared towards an audience that wasn't us and there's something wonderfully unifying about that i mean this is a great show for young women especially to watch um there's certain very strong empowering lessons to take away from it things to watch out for it's a great show for men to watch too just to hopefully not become certain types of guys um yeah i don't know and i think the other thing that we got out of this was you monsters in the end you know listening Mm -hmm. to this um so thank you uh so one one last question which hasn't been answered but uh you know in in the short term but not in the long term it's from norman buckley what's next after this yeah i mean like we talked about earlier our headcanon podcast in october and i Ideally, something more on the creative side. Mm-hmm. If we could uh, get into that in the Hollywood scene, mm-hmm. the scene uh, man, we've, we've got some ideas for that as well. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. All right. Well, shall we go to our top twenty? Oh, you know what? I we should, but uh, I forgot. I, I forgot like ten more questions. No, no, I. I put one of my runner-ups in the wrong spot for top five scenes okay uh, it was the uh spencer telling your friends you can't count on me season three episode 22 that's a good scene i i just want to go with this quick dialogue spencer says i wasn't spencer hastings for a whole day but no one else showed up so like for the job so i guess i'm stuck with it and dr sullivan trying to figure it out is like because you're the only one who can be you and spencer's like you don't have to rub it in <laughs> um so for some reason you have 20 on top of the top 20 do you really want to go through all those these are like the runners up yeah i don't know if you have your own runners up i don't i try to stick it to just top 20 okay no i mean one or two of these slots i've i've doubled up if they felt like go two-parter i have a, a single honorable mention okay the pilot oh that's a good one didn't quite crack the top 20 but one of the better pilots out there i would say it does quite a lot in a limited amount of time. Probably too much music, but other than that. But that's the pilot sickness. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a good one. I should put that in there. Um, do you want me to do like my 20, then your 20, et cetera? I think we go back and forth. Okay. Uh, so my my 20, um, season one, episode 21, Monsters in the End. That's number 20. Okay. Uh, written by Oliver Goldstick, directed by Chris Grismer. It was really a toss-up for me between this one and the previous one where Hannah slaps Jenna. But I went with this one um, for various reasons, but partially also because I just liked having my last one be called Monsters in the End. Okay. My number 20, S7E10, The Darkest Night. Interesting. If only for the decapitation. Basically, everything at the blind school was just next level which is only like 10 minutes long i know but it feels like so much happens um so i mentioned this as being a favorite episode of the podcast my number 19 it's because i i really do like the episode season two episode 16 let the water hold me down written by brian holman directed by chris grismer Mm -hmm. um i guess i as a redo of a previous question we asked one of the things that's really interesting if you go back and rewatch the show especially if you've lived in the last few seasons of pll Go back and watch the first like two years. Like it almost feels like a completely different show. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I think your stakes elevate so much that it starts to feel different. Yeah, like we're in Degrassi, the Dark Age now. Yeah, my number nineteen S three E seven crazy, 
this is the infamous Miss Arya, you're a killer, not Ezra's wife. Like, I feel like we finally see Mona come out of her shell a little mm -hmm. in the Radley Institute and also the first appearance of Susie Drake. Okay. Uh, number 18, I have season four, episodes three and four, Cat's Cradle and FaceTime, mm. uh, both written and written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Norman Buckley. Uh, Hector Lyme, man. Hector fucking Lyme. And it, it, it all culminates with that confrontation between Melissa and Spencer, where they kind of start to get real with each other for the first time as they're been smashing you since it started, since before it started, yeah. smashing copies of Melissa's face mask. My number eighteen, you've already mentioned this one. S six or I'm sorry, S two E sixteen. Let the water hold me down. Infamously, the one where Spencer goes to the blind school. Yep, uh, love that episode. If only for that scene. The rest of it's great as well, though. Are you okay? Your pulse is kind of racing. And at the end, you're like smart, smart. I thought you were just book smart. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sweater sets that would eventually reveal Mona at the end of the season. Other seats. Yeah. Um, number 17, season one, episode two, The Jenna Thing. Really? Wow. Written by Ari Marlin King, directed by Liz Friedlander. I, I like the pilot a lot i I like the pilot for the economy of how much stuff it packs in there um the jenna thing is like it's why we always say watch the first if you have a friend who's on the fence have them watch the first two episodes mm -hmm. not just the pilot the first two i think that's a great like like follow-up my number 17 s4e20 refall <laughs> the infamous aria cry face episode i don't know but more importantly, this is the one where like Spencer wakes up in Ezra's desk at school. Nice. It's where they have that failed intervention. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Yeah. And they're all just like, oh shit, Spencer's nuts. Yeah. The book is hiding in the cutout of like a book of like carnivores cookbook or something like that on in the, yeah. in the murder uh -huh. cabin. Yeah. Uh, Ski lift. Yeah. So number 16. I think if you were to do it, you would do this slightly differently. You probably will. Um, but my number 16 is season two, episode 24, If These Dolls Could Talk, written by Oliver Goldstick and Maya Goldsmith, directed by Ron Lagomarsino. Um, anchored quite a bit by uh, um, the doll hospital. Let's just say that's on my list. I figured it would be. Uh -huh. My number 16, you probably have this higher. This episode, dear to our hearts, because we witnessed part of it being filmed s6e3 songs of experience there's the the grief and the recovery from the tra trauma of the dollhouse i feel like this i put this one on rather than 602 number one because we saw a scene from it being filmed number two because i feel like it kind of it it wrapped up that that trauma at least in a way you know really great spencer veronica scene in it which again, we we watch them in the waiting room for for Doctor Sullivan's office. Yeah, and later on that day, as we're sitting in the um, the the cafeteria at the Warner Brothers lot, and we've passed a few various actors, we've taken a tour. We're sitting there eating our food, and I turn to you and I say, "Wait a minute, did they say Sarah?" <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. Uh, so that was sixteen. My number fifteen. Um, I mean, I think you're going to start to get a sense of the, the kind of episodes that I really, really love and the kind of show that I like within the show. Number 15, season five, episode 11, 
No One Here Can Love and Understand Me, written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Larry Reedman. Um, there's a certain kind of beautiful melancholy that I just, I always adore through the show. And it, you know, it aged into it. Um, just the scene of, scenes of Ari and Mona alone, the opening in front of the wall of TVs, the return of Act Normal Bitch. Um, there is a kind of humorous digression to the fireflies of Ravens making the reappearance. That would be my demerit on an episode is the Ravens would bullshit. Um, and then just the first time that Larry Reeman directed, and I think we talked about when we did it, just there's such an interesting, like familiar but different visual style. Hmm. Yeah. My number 15 is S7E4 hit and run, run, run. This was the episode where it felt like season or it felt like the flash forward finally truly began. You know, it's like, oh, now there's now there are stakes. You had the wonderful scene with Caleb at the door and Spencer not letting him in, but also just now they have killed someone. They're covering up. Spencer goes and gets shit faced and almost does like uh, has sex with a guy in an elevator and comes to her senses. And then later on, like realizes with Emily how drunk she was, and Emily's kind of taking care of her. All that I think is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to say that's also the episode where we had like Arya and Hannah like trucking out to the to uh, place torture car. Hannah. Yeah, uh, number fourteen in the eyes of by the heart, season seven, episode fifteen, written by Doherty, directed by Troy and Balasario. Uh, similar in like the visual style, of Larry Reedman, like. It's familiar, but it's very different. I liked how I liked how to try and put it. I just really like the movies of David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt some of the stuff with her longing for the uh, the connection of Mary. Um, you have the the fascinating to, to talk about the time, especially Ren and Ezra airport scene. Oh yeah, my runners up to this specific episode would be playtime, just for the introduction of the game and. Uh, um, the, the letter written by young Mary to her daughter. My number 14, S5E5, is me, Miss Me Times 100, classic 100th episode. Um, I feel like that, that was really the show reintroducing itself. Yeah. Uh, number 13, I feel like this is going to be much higher for you. Mm. Season 2, episode 13, The First Secret, written by Iron Marlin King, directed by Dana Gonzalez. Uh, who now shoots uh, Legion. Um, but uh, like you had said, this is, it was, it wasn't just like a, a re-evolution of the show, but I love that the show had these big, beautiful, meaty cracks that you could go in and like find plenty of story in. To me, this is, this is what I think of when I think of like really good fan fiction or side stories, you know? Not stuff that's necessarily like so ground shakingly different, but like there is there is worthwhile story and deep character drama within what's already there. All right, my number thirteen S three E fifteen Mona Mania. <laughs> this was the infamous academic decathlon episode with your favorite guy in it. Uh, surprised that guy did not make your list of tertiary characters. You know why? Because I forgot his name. Yeah, oh, it's Conrad. Connor. Yeah, I or Conrad one too. Um, also, I think this was the reappearance of Mona as like evil in plain sight. Um, I, I love this version of Mona and the way she plays it where you're never sure whether or not to feel bad for her. Yeah. Um, in episode 12, season five, episode one, escape from New York, uh, written by Iron Man, the King, directed by Norma Buckley. I, 
it's it's a whole new look for the show. It's a darker palette. It's it's much more tighter. Uh, this is just an adventurous, fun romp outside of itself from the show. I love that you know we start season five like not really in Rosewood with our main characters, and you have all the weird stuff with people back in Rosewood trying to figure out what's going on and and how the world's changed for them. Um, I don't know. I just I really enjoy the show. Really enjoy the season. And I'm kicked very off right fascinated away. what your top ten is going to be. Yeah, you should. Uh, be. My number twelve is the episode right before that. S four e twenty four a is for answers. I think there were other episodes where they tried to do the download and it didn't work quite as well. But this one in particular really worked well. I think at wrapping up a lot of stuff that we'd been wondering about with what Allie was up to, and even beyond that, like kind of the formation of her character with CZ and with Ezra, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 11 or number 11 for me is season one, episode 14. Mm. Careful what you wish for written by Tamar Laddie, directed by Norman Blackley. I, this is a great episode. I mean, you and I talked about this. We revisited this episode. I don't need to rehash why we love it. Oh yeah. Uh, we need to talk. We yeah. need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. The episode with the dance, but thing. I just, Sorry to rehash again. I said we don't need to do it. Just the, the dancing for cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good things about that episode. It might be on my list. <laughs> episode eleven, S two E nineteen, the naked truth. This is the truth up episode. I love this episode. I love Hannah's. Am I a bully? And like Holly and Combs can't really answer that because it's like, well, maybe, maybe you kind of are Hannah. Um, you had fucking Holden being like a ninja on the roof. You had, I believe that was where we found out that Jason was a secret Hastings. Awesome. For the most part. Skyon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mona revealing herself a bit. So we got our first big hints of that. Yeah. Nolcon. Nolcon. Girls like dirty. <laughs> Nolcon's like, if I had tatas like that, I put them on a billboard or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's number 11. So, number 10. Now we're getting, getting wet and wild, folks. Uh huh. Season three, episode 16 Misery Loves Company, written by Armand King and Janelle Lennon. It's interesting. A lot of your episodes made my like, like 20 to 40 list. Interesting. Directed yeah. by Armand King. I'm, I'm more curious about your list then. I feel like mine are going to be really obvious. I don't know what the hell yours is going to be. Um, but just. That's a classic episode. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Toby's outed to Spencer. Might be Marlene's first episode directing, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. But Allie showing up in Arya's room. Yeah. You know why I picked you, right? Yeah. Oh, and, and crazy Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, Arya making a shiv. But just the, the cleverness that they would later do with the, um, uh, <laughs> the children's puppet play of Faust. With uh, Spencer has discovered the key much earlier in the episode. And you don't find out until the end because she's playing it cool. I mean, it's it's just it's a it's an elevated kind of PLL storytelling. Mm-hmm. My number ten. I am sure this is higher on your list. S three E nine. The con game. It's actually not. It'd be on my twenty to forty. Really? Um. How how many times have you fucking said this is your favorite episode? And it didn't make your top twenty. Yeah. That's outrageous. I know. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Marco fell down on the job there. I'm a man of complexities. The con game. You said how many times that's but, your favorite episode? It is. Wow. It's okay. just not on my list here. Mm, okay. Like I said, guys, this list is in some ways kind of arbitrary. In like two months, I would have a different list, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I mean, I feel like we've said enough about the con game. It is delicious. I think the real victory, though, is it ended up in your top 20. Mm. I don't know what the hell you have coming up. <laughs> what are we on, a nine? Number nine. Season four, episode 17, Bite Your Bite Tongue. Your tongue. Yeah. Written by my goals with an Oliver Goldstick, directed by Arlene Sanford. I mean, <laughs> do I have to spell it out, folks? I mean, Hannah literally gets an A message in her mouth. Also, that, that who, normal bitch. who is this monster? Who is this monster? Yeah. That was a good moment. Yeah. My number nine, S5E25, Welcome to the Dollhouse. This was just like a through the looking glass type of episode for DLL. It was totally weird and bizarre and felt like something out of like Lost or The Prisoner. Uh, delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, season six, episodes two and three, Songs of Innocence, Songs of Experience. I, I bunch them together because they really feel like one thing to me. Um, like you said, fallout, recovery of the dollhouse. Um, this was like, I don't know, such an incredible bold vein for the show to take up. I didn't think they would, and I'm glad they did. And they, I, I think the show was very strong in the last two seasons whenever they kind of touch back to how this still affected them, everything after the dollhouse, you know, like Arya's breakdown on the stand. All right. We're on number eight now. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this this says a lot about me and my list because my number eight, number eight is S2E25 Unmasked. Hmm. The reveal of Mona as a also famously the episode where Melissa steals Arya's frozen yogurt and eats it. This is really and just fucking walks off with it is that the what is the episode where spencer's like the thing about games is we're girls i always won uh hide and seek yeah that was s2e24 i believe okay uh so i mean yeah i think you kind of get a sense especially with my number seven here of the kind of person i am and (laughs) what i started to gravitate to or connect with uh season seven Episode four, hit and run, run, run. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, um, just the dark, fatalistic pathos of Spencer Hastings. I mean, it's a tour de force for the actor and the character. What were you doing tonight? Burying a body, and she just buries herself with that line. Um, perfection. My number seven. This is you're going to see a lot of this season on here. S two E twenty three. I the beholder. The episode where Arya goes on a plane ride with Duncan. Uh, classic scene, classic episode. This is where we really started to hone in to that end game of Mona there. Mm-hmm. Um, it really felt like the momentum was picking up. It was a great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just the scene where she reveals to Duncan that Allie's dead. That's another great scene. Oh, and doesn't that start with her picking up from the previous one, turning around in the coat as almost like Vivian Darkbloom? It might have been an episode before. I can't okay. recall. Is that also the uh, when they're looking at the coat? Can I touch it? No, it's earlier. Okay. Um, my number six. I don't think you've done this one yet. I'm. So, I would think this would be high on your list. Season three, episode twenty-three. Oh, that's pretty good. So. I'm your puppet, written by Oliver Goldstick and Maya Goldsmith, mm-hmm. directed by Oliver Goldsmith. I feel like this is going to be like your number two or something or number one. Um, just you. you I mean, you know why it's good, mm-hmm. Faust. Spencer and Allison, um, the full-on Dark Spencer saga. It's delicious. My number six is S4E4 FaceTime. Hector Lime smashing those masks. The confrontation between 
Willis and Spencer. Just the the talk between Arya and Hector is also really delicious. And uh, yeah, it's a fun episode all around. Just I always love those pictures whenever I find them of Arya staring at that row of Allison masks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my number five, season four, episode twenty four, Aegis for Answers, mm. written directed by Iron Man the King. Like you said, we've gotten the download before. It never worked as well or felt as organic and natural as it does here. I mean, it's it is perfect. This. I mean, it's like it's like the part one to a lot of season five. It's this is great stuff. I kind of wish that later seasons kept up like this tightness, um, mm-hmm. but it's so good. My number four. You've already mentioned this. I love this episode. S two E thirteen. The first secret. Our first Halloween episode. An entire episode of flashbacks. We're finally after a year and a half. We get inside Allison's mind and we see what's going on with her this whole time. It was fascinating uh, to see that, in fact, she had her own A that we didn't even know about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, number four. Season five. Episode 25. Oh, wait. Did we skip number? That was my number four. Did I skip my number five? What's your number five? Shit. My number five was if these, calls, if these dolls could talk. SQE24. No, wait. You missed your turn. Yeah. Number four. Welcome to Dollhouse season five, episode twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh how'd you put it? Through the looking glass? I mean, it's like it's like a fan fiction was something you could turn in as a master thesis <laughs> on a TV show degree. I feel like that's what I Marlon King did. Um, just a really strong episode of a lot happening in it. Um and I I I know in a lot of intellectually I felt like the Mona return was kind of a cheat. But it was one of those cheats where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm totally cool with it. Mm-hmm. Especially to have her dress like Allison the whole time and wearing a gas mask. Absolutely. <laughs> a gas mask really sold it. Yeah. Briefly, just my number five. If these dolls could talk as 2E24. What an episode. Um, the the end of that season, season two, so good. But I had to rank this one the highest out of them. Just the insanity of the doll house, the uh, the doll hospital mm. at the end with the follow me end up like me. Um, I believe that's also the one where Arya threatens to blackmail Byron, and uh, Ella f- freaks out about the whole thing. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. My, let's do your number three now. What do you got for number three? Season four. This was a toss up because my my two and three could get could get interchanged. But mm. season four, episode nineteen, mm. Shadow Play. Interesting. Rendered what? by Joseph Doherty. What are your top two? I, I I don't think I fully need to explain why a trip into the film noir shadow world of PLL is so fucking good. There are fans out there who like this is their least favorite episode. I don't understand them. I just don't. I you know I sat down to do this list and I really thought it might be my number one that episode and I I kind of pulled back just because I thought. I don't know. I wanted something more indicative of like PLL as a whole. It was my number one, mm-hmm. which is certainly is kind of that dark mirror version of it. But it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many hours you've listened to of me talking about how much I love this episode, but there it is. Nice. Number three. My number three, S1E14. Careful what you wish for. This is one of my favorite episodes of the show. This was perhaps the first episode that I read the Jacob Clifton recap for. Um, it's just beautiful in every way i love the dance-a-thon i love hannah just stringing lucas along only to disappoint him 
Emily's getting drunk. First appearance of Caleb. That's right. It is. Um, I want some souped up ringtones. Arya and her her babysitter, Meg Manning from Veronica Mars. <laughs> you used to sleep with a pillow between your legs. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, I love that. Um, everything about that, the weird sexual tension between her and her babysitter fighting for Ezra. Yeah. Uh, I love this episode. Yeah. Uh, so we are at number two. Number two. Are you ready? I'm ready. Season five. Episode five. Mm-hmm. Miss Me Times 100. Written by Ireland Marlene King, directed by Norman Buckley. I, this was almost my my number one. This is like the show at the height of its powers. It's it's like a culmination of certain phases of the show. Like you said, it's a it's a reboot in some cases. I mean, I think when we watched this for the first time, I might have jumped out of my chair and cheered. <laughs> so good. My number two. It's also I have to say it's right. also kind of like if you weren't aware of where Marlene King was going. Like with all the fucking significant others in that living room, yeah, really. it should have been a warning. Yeah, sorry, number two. My number two, fairly obviously, S four E nineteen Shadow Play, mm. uh, just a wonderful showcase of all that the show wanted to be. I think I'd really love it if we had the same number one, but I we highly don't. doubt it. What's your number one? Season two. Mm-hmm. Did you have season two? No. Oh, okay. Oh, darn. Season two. Episode 14, Through Many Dangerous Toils of Really? That's yeah. your number one episode? I really enjoy this episode. Okay. I really enjoy And I, 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 the aforementioned Emily in the greenhouse scene, the struggles of the liars in their individual lives, but like trying to come together, like, like the misdirect to the whole world that they're not friends, that they're not together, um, when it's like the most precious thing. Um, I just think for a certain phase of the show, too, it's, it's the show at the height of its powers. And I just really enjoyed it. All right. Well, I regret to inform you that you're wrong because the best episode <laughs> of this show is S3E23. I'm your puppet. This episode has everything. It has Spencer and Allie dancing in slow motion. And Allie's a ghost and she's in a mental institution. It has Arya breaking up with Ezra. I believe this has a little bit of, uh, or maybe not the candy stripe. I can't quite remember. Uh, it's got the hot bell plotline <laughs> um god i love this episode kidnapping the kid malcolm mm-hmm. it's good stuff mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah that that is my favorite although i really feel like my top five there very interchangeable i feel like there's you could you could really move those in and out um oh, the- this is the that's also the one i should say i'm your puppet where Emily, that's when uh, Pam is working at the police station for some reason, and like they found another body. Oh, don't say anything about it. Yeah, why'd you say something to me? Yeah. Um, before I forget, I want to give a shout out to a lot of listeners, some who sent in questions, some who just talked to us in the past. Uh, one of our listeners, Jill, mentioned that she had gone to what used to be the Buffalo State Asylum, which had been converted into a swanky hotel and restaurant called the Hotel Henry. It was super radley ask. I thought that was an interesting detail. So thanks, Joe. Uh, Callie, Alice, Donna, Andrew, Katie, Alyssa, Natalie, Paige, Rhiannon, Amanda, Amanda, Shannon, Olivia, Raquel, Wendy, Sarah, who does a lot of math, Sarah, who does opera, Samantha, Yuan, Tess. Uh, thank you all for everyone, you know, for sticking with us, keeping us honest, laughing along with our jokes, downloading this fucking thing. Um, I don't know. 
Oh, that's the one where they uh, dress up candy stripers as well. That was a great fucking episode. Uh, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. This is it. Uh, you know, I, I want to say we had not gotten any new reviews, at least in the U.S. since last time, which I kind of like. Like people like they got to the finale and they're just like, all right, that's it. We're done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We, it's hard to say if we would have kept doing this podcast without any encouragement from other people. I don't know. Would we have stuck it out this whole time? I'm not sure. Um, well, I think one thing that drove us, uh, was catching up where we catch up like mid season five. Mm -hmm. We were, we were all caught up by the time of the Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, so that kind of momentum, you know, was, was a little bit us. But um, once we like kind of head up, you know, as us racing for the surface, but once we kind of got above the water, you guys were all there waiting for us. So I don't know. I can't speak to how much it's appreciated, especially during some of the more scandalous revelations or things that people were frustrated with. You know, it was, it was nice to have other voices. You know, we did get one new episode from Hannah 1214. So thank you to Hannah for that. No. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Like Marco said, it definitely was an encouragement in times when we probably could have just stopped podcasting, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but like knowing knowing that other people are listening was definitely a big encouragement to keep going. Um, and we hope if you enjoyed this podcast, you will follow us to our other podcast, Headcanon. You can find it in iTunes right now. We will probably do some things eventually in the next month or so to make it easier for you to find if you just follow our main twitter feed at bros watch bl2 or you could follow i think it's at headcanon pod is the other one mm -hmm. um it'll be a little while before we start that up but you can definitely find us there and uh yeah that's it thanks for joining us PLL was fun i feel like the best thing we could all do now for PLL is like maybe give it a little bit of time mm -hmm. clear the palette and then go back and watch again at some point that's immortality my darling all right, well, signing off. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. Ta-ta. Bye. Bye.